Welcome, welcome, welcome to TLDR Podcast. I'm your host, James, and I'm joined today by Trayden, Tyler, Eric, and Alex. We got the gang all here today. Uh, do you guys enjoy that little ode or tribute to Armchair Expert, the podcast? Have you guys ever heard of Armchair Expert? You guys listen to Armchair I Expert? Know, I know of Armchair Expert. I've, I've heard it like two episodes. Yo, you guys are missing out. It's a good one. It's like a top five podcast, easy. It's like right up there with Joe Rogan, and it's, it's yeah. a great podcast. You guys should listen to it. Um, we're going to do something a little different today. So instead of just going around and asking people, you know, how their week went, we're going to be like, tell me what your favorite podcast is, why it's your favorite podcast, and tell me about your week. So Eric, I'll start with you, man. Um, so what was the first question again? Say it. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite podcast? Uh, Spitting Chicklets would be my favorite podcast. Why? Is that um, why? Because I've listened to them from the start, and they started on SoundCloud like three years ago. Maybe it was like four years ago, but they kind of built it up, and then they got brought in by like uh, Barcelona Sports, but. They've gotten big to where they are now, but I've listened from the start and they're really, they got two hockey players on it. So they have like that inside knowledge of the game of hockey. And then they have like another guy who's just like a Boston hardcore hockey fiend. And then they have their producer, but they all just make a good team and kind of like us, you know? Yep. (laughs) Big, strong team, guys. Big, great one. How was your week, Eric? um my week was good it was just busy we uh we got six games left of the season and uh we still can't beat the Denver Nuggets so I don't really know what what's gonna happen but my week was good and busy good stuff <laughs> uh you said your favorite podcast is Spitting Chicklets Spitting Chicklets came up with Pink Whitney and Traden loves Pink Whitney the dude drinks that on the daily Traden what's your favorite podcast yeah, I'm not sure if you should say on the daily because that's not true. But uh, <laughs> my favorite podcast, I mean, obviously, I, I, I knew that Eric would say Spin Chicklets, so I can't count that. But my favorite one would have to be uh, the 31 Thoughts podcast. Um, it's hosted by um, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. Both are from Sportsnet up in Canada. Um, uh, uh, Elliot Friedman is probably one of, one of, if not the best insider in the NHL world. So he, he, he has all of his, uh, he has a blog and is a podcast where he just talks everything about every single division, every single team. He has inside knowledge um, discussions with, with, um, with everybody. You get that kind of uh, you get that disclosure that you don't otherwise get in, you know, a simple, you know, a, a, a new journalist or, or someone who may be following one team. He follows it all. And I highly recommend it if you're into anything that has to do with um, NHL or, and hockey news in any, of any shape or form. Love it. I've never heard of that one before in my life, but I love it. Uh, how was your week, man? It's good. Exhausting. Uh, my parents have uh, are moving into or well, have moved into a new home. Um, and you know, we, I guess as, as sons of, of parents, we sign up for having to help them with everything. And, uh, I guess, I guess if I had read the fight in print, I wouldn't have been born, but oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> wow. T- tough weekend for trading over there as he's drinking more pink Whitney. Watch yeah. the YouTube. <laughs> Alex, what's your favorite podcast, man? Um, okay. Trading. I have heard of that one. 31 thoughts. And I do listen to it sometimes. It is. <clears throat> pretty it's incredible the uh access those guys have yeah um i have two um right. one of them the big swing podcast hosted by former dodgers pitcher now blue jays pitcher ross stripling and his buddy cooper 
Um, I've actually talked to Cooper a couple of times. I've DM'd him on Twitter to ask him podcast questions. Uh, so that's pretty cool. They sent me a hat. I like that. Um, and then, so, and they like, uh, they don't just talk baseball. Um, you know, they've had like Danny Green, CJ McCollum, um, Kirk Herbstreet on, like they get all these cool interviews with guys and it's, uh, it's pretty neat. And then, uh, non sports wise stuff, you should know podcast. Uh, you just get a, I only, I pick and choose the ones that like I'm interested in, but you learn new things. You know, I learned about like the elephant man um <laughs> like the chicago you know fire like a bunch of cool like a bunch of crazy stuff uh but yeah those are my those are my two go-tos love it how's the beard growing going uh it's going pretty good uh again don't have to do a whole bunch it's of work not the for hardest that. thing for him yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah just let it go i pretty much just let it do its thing it might be time to trim it up again i gotta take engagement pictures next week so oh god look cute no. yeah dude that's gonna be tough for you to do. I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> so mean, Got <laughs> Tyler. What's your podcast, man? Uh, I also have two. Um, so, Starting Nine is a baseball podcast. It's their Barstool's baseball podcast, hosted by uh, Jerry Caravis and uh, uh, Dallas Braden. If you guys don't know who Dallas Braden is, he's one of the most wild characters in baseball, really, I've ever seen and heard. Um, just really fun commentary on baseball. They get a lot of, you know, uh, A-list baseball players on there for, for interviews. Um, and I, I, I think they do a really good job. Also, Jared's Twitter account is, is on Fuego. Um, so I, I, I love his um, commentary. His tweets are always great. Um, so, that's, so that's my baseball one. And then there's another uh, podcast I like to listen to that's called uh, Hard Factor. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have heard about it, but it's basically, it's a really quick, you know, 30, 40 minute podcast. And it, it's basically hosted by these four guys and they each kind of present a news story and they, they comment on it. And it's just really weird, random news that happens in the world. Like just the most random stories, just really interesting stuff. That's part of how I found about the monkey human embryo uh, thing <laughs> from was from that podcast. Um, so, and, and, and they, and they have this um, on, on, on Fridays, they do Florida man Fridays and they just report on the craziest Florida stories. Um, and they're, 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 they're pretty wild. So. Um, if you're just into some really interesting, wild, wacky news, Hard Factor is a uh, good one. If you want to know what Tyler's personality is like, listen to that podcast because yep. it's basically the same thing. A yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, couple quick updates here. Uh, wanted to let you guys know the mock draft we did and the results of it. Eric won. And I gave Eric a ton of shit the entire time we did the mock draft. And I was Me like, too. he's not winning. He won. Congratulations, Eric. He had seven correct. I had six correct. Uh, Tyler... Yeah, Tyler had five, and then Traden and Alex had four, and so that was our, how our mock draft worked out, and it was really fun. I watched. Can the I say one mock thing draft. really fast? Uh, Tyler, why did you pick this week to not fucking play your goalies on a Saturday night in the championship <laughs> round? He didn't play his goalies. He, he missed out on like 132 points. Oh my god! Well, that could I'm have been me playing James this well, week, or me playing. Me and Alex are playing the real championship right now. If you look at our <laughs> points, it's like a thousand twenty-one to a thousand. It's crazy. Geez, I'm, I'm still beating both of you. Can I? Can I? Check it. Are you? Can I uh, yeah. re, rebuttal there? Um, yeah. So I got I got uh, fucked by the ESPN terrible reporting on the probable goalie starters. I had all four of those goalies um, starting. Um, so I just picked the, my top two guys, my top two point guys. Um, and they both sat and the two guys I sat on the bench, both played. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah. Right? Brutal. Uh, thanks, man. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a bit though. Yeah, yeah that's true. 
ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to go to baseball. Welcome back, everybody. Tyler's oh damn moments are here. Tyler, it's all you, man. Oh damn, we have uh, finished the first month of the MLB season. Uh, it's been it's been a crazy one. Lots of lots of crazy moments. Lots of teams that are surprising. Lots of teams that aren't playing up to expectations. Um, that'll be kind of our, our last topic of discussion. Um, but I'm going to try and do something a little bit different here. Uh, for those of you that are watching this on YouTube, I'm actually going to play the clips that I'm going to be talking about um, here in the podcast. Um, and we're kind of, going to, kind of going to go through each one. So I'm going to lead off with the first oh damn moment was a dude got hit in the face with a 97 mile an hour fastball. Um, so let's let's share my screen here real quick. Play yep. with the sound. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to play. I'm play without the sound because I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do the, the commentary here. Um, so here we go. Just to set it up. Um, so we got a Cardinals relief pitcher, uh, Genesis Cabrera. Uh, he came into the game in, in the uh, sixth inning. Uh, His name is Genesis. Genesis, yeah. What a name, dude. Pretty, that pretty, is pretty, pretty cool name. Um, so this is his first pitch in the top of the sixth inning. All right, so here we go. Reels it in. Boom, right oh, to the face. Sit down, bud. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Is that the right time to say that? Probably Nailed not. It. So Harper, obviously. It's Harper, Harper yeah. Shook up. You, got, you got the cut right there, right on the nose, right below, right below the eye. Oh, you're probably not about. dead. You're fine. He did, he did take a CT scan. He ended up being fine. No concussion, just a really fucked up nose. Um, so, so pretty lucky there. You've seen a lot of pitches uh, or, oh. or, or guys get hit in the face. Oh, oh my God. Look at his hand, dude. <laughs> yeah. so, okay. So I'm going to pause it real here. So Harper, uh, Harper gets hit in the face. Pr- pretty crazy. Obviously, he, he, he gets taken out. Um, but then the next batter for the Phillies is Didi Gregorius. And this is the very next pitch by Cabrera. Boom! Right in the ribs. That does not Ooh, did feel he just good. Die? Oh, bro, dude, I. So he, of course Cabrera he hit him twice. Yeah, so Cabrera is like shaking his hand, being like, "Ah, oh, man!" Like obviously these aren't intentional, but when you two pitches, your your first two pitches are one is to, right to the face, the other was is right to the ribs. The two of the Phillies' best two hitters. That's not going to sit well with the Phillies manager. So the Phillies manager Joe Girardi. Well, first of all, before that. Uh, the umpire is going to come out and he's going to warn both benches, basically saying if anyone hits anyone else, like the next guy is going to get tossed. That's just kind of how the umpires handle it. And that's what, so there's, there's the warning. And then Philly's manager comes up and he's obviously pissed off too. Two of his guys got hit and he's saying, why, why aren't you tossing the pitcher? So he does that and he gets tossed out of the game. So see a Joe, he gets tossed. Um, and oh, yep, basically, their feet. that'll help. Yep. Yeah. So, so his whole argument there obviously was that he thought, um, the, the, the uh, uh, Cabrera should have been tossed from the game after hitting two guys back-to-back pitches uh, just for player safety purposes and, and all that. So, um, Eric, I uh, assigned you this one. Um, do you agree or disagree with Joe Girardi's um, argument here? Uh, disagree. Because you watch the pitcher, he's like, like trade and said he's mad at himself. Like, it, I, don't, I really don't think he intentionally meant to do that. It's super unlucky to hit Harper in the face. Um, I guess you could, you could blame him more on the second pitch, hitting the guy in the ribs. Um, he could have, you know, been more cautious about it. But, like, it's not like he was doing it, like, 
like Joe Kelly was when he was fucking with the Astros last year, you know, like I don't think there was intentions behind it. Actually unintentional. Yeah. And so yeah, the Phillies manager's all pissed. But dude, then he then now he has the bases loaded with zero outs. And who ended up winning that game? Uh, I believe the Phillies ended up winning that game. Okay, then I mean then he's fine. He's all good. I don't, you know, it's, it's <laughs> water under the bridge. Yeah. I mean, thankfully for the Phillies, both those guys were not seriously injured from, from those, uh, from those pitches. So that was very lucky because those were both pretty drilled in, in, in good spots. Uh, Alex, you all, you, you know about shortstops uh, getting drilled in the ribs and it absolutely fucking us. So uh, could have been a, could have been a, a lot worse. Um, there a story there. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> elaborate, please. I don't know. This was like two thousand. Well, what year was that? I was like two thousand eight. The Hanley one. Yeah, the Hanley one. Uh, it's like twenty thirteen, maybe. Okay, a little bit later than that. Uh, so Dodgers um, were in the playoffs. It was kind of their, their kind of the start of their run, like early on. Um, and Hanley Ramirez was the Dodgers shortstop at the time, who was on an absolute tear. Um, hitting, he was hitting so well, and like the first pitch of the NLCS against the Cardinals. Funny enough, it's against the Cardinals. Uh, he got drilled in the ribs and was, you know, pretty much had a, he, I don't think he had a fracture rib, but it was a pretty badly bruised rib and he just was not the same. And he just sucked the rest of the series. And I mean, that wasn't the only reason why we lost the series, but, you know, it definitely had a role. Uh, to also, the funniest part is Joe Kelly was pitching. There you oh, go. God. <laughs> it all oh. comes around. Always all goes back circles. to Joe Kelly. All comes around. <laughs> all comes around. Um, yeah, so what's interesting about this one uh, is, the, is the new MLB rule with the, with the three batter minimum. So um, obviously if the umpire could have ejected the pitcher and he would have been, you know, out from the game. But, the, but, the, for, but from the Cardinals side, apparently the Cardinals manager wanted to take him out of the game, but he couldn't because of, of, the, of the three batter minimum. So we had to face another batter at least. Did he um, hit the other guy too? He did just not. Just to get out of the game? He did not. He actually he hit him in the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that's an interesting, <laughs> an interesting part of that. Um, but yeah, I I, I I agree with you, Eric. I think there's just it's and, and as unfortunate as it is, it was just a lack of control. There was no intent there, and I think if there's no intent, um, even if a pitcher's wild, he should be able to pitch to his ability until the until the manager decides, okay, that's enough. Like we need to pull him. He he doesn't have command. Um, obviously, at that level, you shouldn't be hitting guys twice right in a row, um, but occasionally it happens. Um, so that so that was just an interesting one I, I, that I thought. Um, obviously, glad both guys are okay from those uh, from those hits, and hopefully, uh, Cabrera can learn to control his fastball a little bit better. Um, all right, moving on to my second oh damn moment. Uh, this one's a little bit more of a fun one. Um, so we got Anthony Rizzo, the Cubs first baseman, um, struck out one of his good buddies uh, and NL MVP, Freddie Freeman. Um, so this was uh, in a game. So obviously this is a blowout by the, uh, the Atlanta Braves It's 10, nothing seventh inning, Anthony Rizzo. So typically in blowouts and stuff, and if the team doesn't want to, you know, burn some of their pitchers or if they're already kind of burnt out, they'll just use a, a position player that can handle himself out there on the mound and just throw him out there and just get some outs. So Anthony Rizzo, all-star first baseman, uh, faces his buddy, uh, Freddie Freeman. And it's pretty funny. So we're, we're going to watch the whole of that here. Um, so Freeman comes up to the plate and he just can't stop smiling. Uh, because he, they, this, this is a very rare opportunity, you know, good friends that are both p- position players and he gets the pitch against them. Can't stop smiling, big old smile on his face. He's just so excited to be, be able to do this. Um, so big bragging rights on the line here. So first pitch, little curve slider thing, misses way off the plate, not even close. So he just showed him his uh, best pitch right there. We're out to go. 
<laughs> 51 miles an hour. Unbelievable. I got traded on that earlier today. So bad. Next pitch, fastball, chest misses off the edge of the plate. So now he's 2-0. Hitters count. Freeman, by the way, is 4-4 four, is four for four in this game, so he's feeling good. Oh, yeah. Uh, so hitters good. count. Here comes the 2-0 pitch. Dots the outside corner with the fastball. Ooh. Well done. All right, so now he's proven that he can throw a strike. So Freeman's like, you know, okay, let's go. Let's do this thing. And, he, and, he's, and he's, he's shaking off the catcher, too, like, like he knows what he's doing. Next pitch, fastball. Freeman takes a rip, fouls it off. Damn. That was his pitch right there. Same pitch. Yeah, like. So he's laughing. He's like, oh, I should have hit that one. And, and here's where it gets good. So three fastballs in a row after that first pitch slider. A 2-2 pitch coming up right here, shaking him off again like a, like a big league pitcher. And there's the strikeout. Oh, get it's out of here, bye. <laughs> They're laughing. They're loving it. Cubs fans are loving it. It's all even though you're time. losing 10-0. You gotta love that. Losing 10-0. They're laughing. And after the game, you know, obviously Rizzo was super pumped and Freeman was like, God damn it. Now I gotta, you know, live this down the rest of my life. So uh, pretty, pretty fun moment there. Um, James, I kind of wanted to ask you, um, is this kind do you like this kind of stuff? These kind of this kind of friendly banter? Is this is, is that kind of an entertaining thing that you kind of want to see a lot of? Or do you prefer more of the kind of the more heated stuff? Before I answer that question, did you guys see that clip a couple weeks ago of the same players, Rizzo and Freeman? And Rizzo was chasing down um, Freeman. He was going yeah. back. To, like, he was stuck in a pickle. He's going back and forth. And then Rizzo is just like, Frederick, yeah. Freddie, the entire time. And it was hilarious. I love that stuff. So I know you guys are probably going to just shit on me right now. But I'm going to say what I'm going to say. I like both of them. I like the friendliness and I like the competitiveness of it. I like both of them put together. Um, as human beings, you have different emotions and there's different times when one seems better than the other. And there's a bunch of different variables that come along with that. And so what might seem great in one moment may not seem as great in the next moment. So I kind of want to like go more into depth in that and go into the pros and cons of both, right? So for a friendly, a friendly matchup, what we just saw, what did that make you guys do? What made you guys laugh and it made you guys smile and honestly what are they doing out there on the on the field they're having fun and that's what gets you into sports to begin with it's not really the competitiveness of it it's when you're a kid it's you play sports to have fun and so it brings it back to your roots it brings it back to something that you had deep down before it evolved to something that was a money maker before it evolved in this competitive like i gotta beat out everybody else thing you know and it allows you as a human being to kind of take a break from that because life in general is competitive like trading in a bit in the business world has a competitive life. I mean, you as an AT, Tyler, you got to be better than the other AT or else you don't have a job. Alex has to get, be really good at selling beers. And that's the fact of the matter, you know? Watching that allows you to take a break from that and enjoy the moment instead. Just because they're friends, it doesn't mean they're not trying their best. Like you said, bragging rights. Anthony Rizzo is trying to strike him out and Freddie Freeman is trying to go five for five. Anthony Rizzo won that one. He's not bragging rights for the rest of his life. They're not not trying. They're still trying to compete, but in a different way. On the flip side of that, competitive. You know, I love heated battles. I love the rivalry next. Like we talked about rival rivalries last week, and I love those two. They're great, but there's a time and a place. If there's a rivalry in place, like the Niners and the Seahawks, then yeah, dude, go talk your shit. Go do the best you can and destroy them. Honestly, if I wanted to seem like super cool and super masculine. I would say competitive hands down every single time, but that's not simply the case. Like toxic masculinity predisposes to be like, hell yeah, fuck yeah, sports, compete, make sure that nobody else wins but us. But that's tiring. 
that's not life. It's not something that you can do all the time. It has its place in its time. And it's cool to watch friendships bloom and how to see these friendships competing against each other in a different light than we normally see. So in conclusion, there's a time and a place. I love both of them. But sports are sports and I love it. That's yeah. a fact of the matter there. Really quick, Tyler, um, if you don't mind. First of all, I thought it was it's probably a little too tummy sticks for me, but I like it because it's funny. Um, I think it's getting a little too much that way. Anyway, um, what I wanted to ask you baseball guys, because I think it was funny. I loved it. How much shit is that batter getting by his own teammates? How much shit oh, is he getting as soon as he gets back? the end of it for the rest of his career. <laughs> no. Every, every time that, that, you know, uh, they, they, they play the Cubs, they're going to be like, Oh, remember that time that, you know, the first baseman struck you out or whatever. I mean, to, for the NL MVP, not this isn't just some any Joe Schmo up to the plate. This is the MVP, the best hitter in the National League last season, and he gets struck out by a, a position player. That is not an easy thing to live down. Um, so yeah, he, he he's going to hear it for the rest of his life. Love it, and I loved your answer by the way, James. That was really good. Thank yeah, you. yeah, I I, I I agree, James. Um, I think like you said, there there's a time and a place for both. I think in this situation when it's already a blowout, you know, you, you got two friends that have a chance to do something that they're probably never going to do ever again. Right. Rizzo is going to pitch to his friend. Got you. You got to have fun with it. Um, to me, you know, we, we, between those friendly kind of confrontations and, and, and the heated ones, it's like hot chocolate and, uh, and, 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 ch and chocolate uh, milkshakes, right. They're, they're, they're both chocolate. You both drink it. One's just different than the other, but they're still delicious. And it's just whatever you're in the mood for. Right. So that's, that was my analogy. James's answer was way better than that, but uh, <laughs> All right, so moving on to um, my third oh damn moment. <clears throat> um, it's kind of two mixed together. So we just had the, had the little friendly. So now we're going to get a little more heated here. Um, so we had two incident, inci incidents of uh, bench clearing um, um, uh, moments in baseball last week. Both were incited by a pitcher kind of uh, showboating and, and celebrating after a, a, a big strikeout. So the first one here is between the Mets and the Phillies. Uh, Phillies pitcher Jose Alvarado um, is pitching here to, out, to Mets outfielder uh, Dominic Smith. As you can see in this game, the, the, the Phillies are up by a run. It's the top of the eighth inning. This is a big moment. There's runners on second and third, two outs, three, two count. Huge moment right here, right? Um, so this is a big, 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 big moment for the Phillies here to, to get the punch out. A big moment for the Mets here to go ahead. So here's the pitch. Struck him out. He's pumped, fired up, yelling. Then he starts yelling at, at Dom Smith. He's yelling at him and then gloves come off kind of like in hockey, right? They're about to go at it, but you know, here we got guys getting in, 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 in between and the bench is clear and everyone's, you know, trying to come trying to calm each other down. Classic. And yep. And that's just pretty much how that one went. Um, Jose Alvarado actually got suspended three games um, for this um, Dom for Smith. That? Yeah. For, and Dom Smith. And also uh, I can't remember the name of the uh, a Mets, a Mets reliever, the next inning hit uh, Reese Hoskins, the Phillies in re retaliation. He did not get tossed, but he did get fined. Um, it's another perfect example of MLB's really inconsistent suspension policies, which I think are kind of bullshit. Um, but there's that one. All right. So that one's, that one's that one. Um, and then we're going to go on to this one between the Cubs and the Reds. So this one's a little bit different. And I want to preface this by saying there's a little bit more, more history to, to this one. So uh, Reds pitcher, uh, the, this re relief pitcher, Amir uh, Garrett, um, he has some beef with uh, Cubs infielder Javier Baez. All right. So he, he had a very similar situation where he struck him out in a in big moment a couple of years ago and, and, and kind of pimped the, the strikeout. And it led to a 
fences clearing, a little bit more of a scuffle, I would say. Um, so, so that was a couple of years ago. So there's already some kind of history between um, Amir Garrett. Honestly, I think Amir Garrett has a, a lot of beef with a, a lot of people, but with Javier Baez uh, specifically. So now here he's facing uh, Anthony Rizzo. Uh, welcome back to the conversation, Rizzo. Um, and again, a really tight game. The, the Reds are down three to two here in the eighth inning. Uh, the one-two pitch uh, coming up here. Oh, sound off. Um, there you go. Slider right there. Good pitch. Strikes him out. Garrett's pumped. Chirping, chirping, chirping. Uh, you, get, you get a nice pitch there. And then he's just, he just keeps going at it. So first he's pounding his chest saying, that's what I'm talking about. And then he's yelling right at the Cubs, Cubs dugout. Umpire's like, let's go, let's go. And then he just is this eye roll. I love that one. He just rolls his eyes like, oh, okay, here we go. Now the benches start to clear. You know, Javier Baez is being held back from Amir um, Garrett and they're trying to go after it. So kind of, so kind of same thing. So just pitchers, you know, uh, kind of, kind of uh, pimping a strikeout there and it leads to this uh, kind of bench clearing incident. Um, so far, there hasn't been any fines or suspensions from this one that I've heard of, um, but we'll see. That'll, that will probably change just based on MLB's whole uh, history here lately. Um, so that was that one. Um, so a little bit different, um, but kind of two similar situations here. So Eric, uh, I wanted to ask you about this one. Um, or sorry, trading. Sorry, I'm, I'm asking you about this one. Um, this kind of brings up an interesting point. Um, we're trying to bring more fun in the game, a little more flair. Guys can that, that can show personality and have fun and kind of celebrate more without any kind of penalty, right? So we're seem, it seems like baseball is starting to be okay with bat flips, right? So you hit a home run, bat flip, that seems to kind of starting to be a little bit more of, um, of the norm and more accepted. So now in pitchers in this situation, right, should they be able to chirp and, you know, kind of scream and do what they want to do to do basically the same thing, but for a uh, strikeout for, for, for uh, against a hitter, kind of what, it, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So um, I believe I'm the perfect person to be answering this question because you asked me a very similar question, but opposite back in, I don't know, like in the middle of summer um, but on uh, Tatis and his bat flip. And <laughs> I have the same answer fucking showboat baby he struck out the motherfucker showboat and here's the thing here here's the thing i have it i have with baez in in particular because he's the one that kind of incited it rizzo walked off he's like okay you know what you talk shit you, you struck me out whatever dude instead of yelling at the pitcher that just struck your boy out why don't you tell your boy to hit a fucking ball huh <laughs> like what the fuck dude like this is baseball you're supposed to hit the ball or pitch a batter out if you can't do that then get the fuck out of the game or just like, like that's the game, baby. I mean, I, I, I loved it. I think, I think there's, there's nothing wrong with what, with what happened. I went on down a big rabbit hole today, looking at all videos on pitching celebrations, batting celebrations. And I fucking love every single one. I love it all because they're showing emotion. They're they're, they're You gotta be pumped for those types of things, you know? And I get that there's some beef and actually it's interesting because those years ago um, when Garrett, Garrett did the th same thing to Baez, and actually, it was Rizzo who backed, who backed, um, you know, is it right, uh, Baez? And it's it, it so they kind of like, you know, switch positions there. It's just, it, it's nauseating. Like, step off the plate, tell your boy to learn how to fucking hit a ball and shut the fuck up. Okay. Like, get good. But I will say this, Garrett, you kind of suck this year. You have a 10.38 ERA. You fucking suck. So I don't know how much, how you had the upper, how you thought you had the ability to do that 
but you did. So I don't really fucking care. Let him do it. Let him play. Shut the fuck up and hit the ball. All right. Done. Can I say one thing also? The MLB should just make a rule. Like if a pitcher does that, like give them one, like charge at each other, like a brave heart drill. Because there's too many like times a year, like there was a bench clearing brawl. There was a, bench you know benches were cleared there were suspensions and like you said tyler like but nothing happened like it was just like they got close they yelled at each other and then guys get like pulled away like just let the pitcher and like whoever he's yelling at or whoever the beef is just like get one like charge at each other and they collide and then everybody jumps in and breaks it up eric i love that idea it's absolutely shameful that we had some suspensions on the lat on the first one it's absolutely shameful there was nothing wrong with what happened there and it's going back to what james just said you know, the, the fun, the, the, the fun stuff, the friendly stuff's one thing, but you guys are, you guys, when you get, I don't care what the circumstance is when you're playing a team and it's close, it's, it's game time. It, it's, they're your mortal enemy. You do anything you can to get in their heads, to play the game, you know, within reason, I don't want you to like go and hit the guy like, or punch him or whatever like that. You know, I, I don't want you to go, you know, th- there's some, obviously there's a line, but there was no line that was crossed here. They were so far from the line. They couldn't even fucking see it. Get over it learn to hit a ball on the flip side, learn to pitch a ball. Like it's, it's that simple guys. Like stop being little bitches. Yeah. I mean, I think you make really good points. Uh, I think, you know, Javier Baez, especially he's one of the front runners in the bat flipping, you know, movement. Right? Yeah. And he, he showboats more than anyone. Uh, so for him, you know, it, it's just kind of one of those things. Um, I, I like it. I, I like when pitchers chirp. I like it when, when batters bat flip, I, I, I love the emotion Honestly, I don't even mind the whole bench clearing situation. I don't think there should be suspensions. I think the reason why there is suspensions right now is because of COVID and they're trying to, and they're trying to limit that kind of reaction. So like it or love it, that's just kind of what it is. But hopefully in the future, once COVID's over, I want to see more of this stuff. I want to see guys getting into their spaces, um, you know, within reason. Obviously, we don't want this to happen all the time. But, you know, in certain situations like that, where it's a big strikeout, you know, in, 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 a, in a close game, like I think pitchers should be able to chirp and scream and yell and say let's fucking go or or nice or nice fucking swing bitch or whatever he but what yeah, whatever dude. he wants to say you know um i think that they should be allowed to do that um let's go so yeah so moving on uh to our uh fourth oh damn moment as i mentioned earlier we're uh we just finished the first month of the regular season um there's a lot of teams that are doing a lot better than i think we expected and a lot of teams that aren't doing nearly as well as we thought then again of course it is early but as we kind of have the first month of the season to, to look back on, Alex, I want to ask you, what is your biggest surprise so far of this young season? Who is your, who or what team is your biggest uh, disappointment? Yeah. Um, I say surprise, probably either the San Francisco giants who are currently leading the national league West above both the injury ridden Dodgers and the Padres um, the Giants been pitching well. They've been hitting. They've been, you know, timely hitting. Um, you know, trading maybe a genius. He bid, did pick them to make the wild card. Do I think the Giants are going to hold up for the rest of the season above these two teams? Probably not. But it is. It's always you know good baseball when the Dodgers and the Giants are good, um, which doesn't seem to happen very often. They kind of one seems to be good and the one seems to be shit. So. Um, that is turning, I think the National League West is possibly turning into more of a three headed race than we per, like thought, uh, previously. Um, another surprise, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they're only three games under 500. 
They were 500 like a couple days ago. They could have easily be two and 30. That's how like terrible they are. So the fact that the Pirates are even sort of close to 500, good for them. Uh, and then the last one, the Boston Red Sox. Uh, they've been one of the best teams in baseball. Uh, I think Tyler has them in his top three right now in the power rankings. Um, you know, uh, I think I think personally I picked them to finish fourth in that division. And right now they've easily been the best team. I mean, those other teams are kind of down, but um, the Boston Red Sox, some surprises. Yeah, I agree with all of those. I mean, I think those are kind of the the, the, the main ones um, of those three that you kind of mentioned. I mean, the, the Royals for me are insane. I think they just they just keep winning. I just keep winning for them to kind of tank. And they just keep winning and they're playing very well. But for me, it's the it's the uh, Giants. Um, just not only, I think those other those other two teams, the the Royals and the Red Sox, they are playing very well and and, and they have great records. But they're also playing in divisions where everyone else is kind of shitty, right? But the Giants are in the same division as the Padres and the Dodgers, right? Probably arguably the, the two best teams in baseball. And the Padres and the Dodgers are both, you know, the Dodgers lately have not been playing very well, but they, you know, still, still have a very good record. The, the Padres have been playing uh, well. And the Giants are in first place of those three teams right now. Uh, they, have, they, they have the second best ERA in, in, in baseball, uh, a plus 25 run differential, which I believe is fifth in, in, in baseball that's what you need to win. And so for me, that's the biggest surprise just because how well they're playing plus what division that they're in. Um, like I said, I don't think that they're going to end up winning that division. Um, but, you know, Traden said that they could be that, that second wild card spot. He's off to a good, a great start for, for that prediction. So Traden, maybe you saw something that none of us saw and you should be a baseball uh, guy from, 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 from now yeah, on. Dude, you guys have no fucking clue what I know. Yeah, clearly some, you have some inside scoop there. Uh, so Alex, what about your biggest disappointment? Yeah. So biggest disappointments, the entire national league East, just all five of them. I, I mean, the nationals are leading the division. They're tied with the Mets at a 500 record. If they were in the national league West, they'd be in fifth place. That's I, you know, that's for it being so hyped as the best division coming into this year. All those teams have been extremely mediocre it would not surprise me if a team gets like 87 wins and wins that division. Um, so the entire National League East has been, for it being like the most talked about and, um, you know, looked forward to division to watch, it's been pretty pitiful. Uh, the Minnesota Twins, 10 and 16. That's that's pretty shitty for a team. I think three of us maybe picked to win the division. Um, that's pretty disappointing. And I have to say it, but the Angels – they're doing the same shit over and over and over again. You have three of the best hitters on the planet and you have a team ERA close to five. You are, you are in a big market. How are you not getting better pitchers angels? Yeah. Be fucking better. This is an embarrassment. Yeah. I know you're not the Dodgers. You don't have the history. You have a five ERA as a team. You're 13 and 13. You're underneath the Mariners for God's sake be better angels they're a huge disappointment i almost picked them to win the wild card and i'm and mike trout's having another mvp like season unbelievably disappointing to yeah. start they could turn it around but get more pitching get you more pitching it's really not that hard get yeah. more pitching uh yeah mike trout i mean god damn that guy is just superhuman um unbelievable um, so my biggest appointment uh, has got to be the at Atlanta Braves to so kind of sticking to your NL East. I think of all the teams in that division, they're the ones that are most uh, disappointing. A minus 16 run differential. 
uh, 12 and 16, as you mentioned, they're, they're, they're fourth in that, in that division. Um, I picked them to win this division pretty easily, honestly. I thought the Mets were going to be a little bit better. Obviously, it's early. They've had a ton of injuries, and their starting pitching has not been good. I think those things will get better. I think they'll even it out. Ronald Acuna Jr. is probably already going to be the NL uh, MVP. He, he is on an absolute tear. Um, I think they'll be okay. I think they will eventually ride this ship. Um, but they've been very disappointing. I mean, just really ugly baseball, especially on the pitching side. Um, that's a team that I expect to be a lot better than they are. Um, so that for me is my biggest uh, disappointment. Um, and that's going to end uh, my segment here. Thank you all, uh, all, all you guys for input and bearing with me through that video part of this part of it. Hopefully you enjoyed the watching the clips along with the uh, commentary. Uh, and that's James. That's, that's all I got. That was solid, man. I really enjoyed the clip watching thing. It was commentary was great. Our reactions were great. Uh, just echoing what Tyler said a second ago. If you want a better experience of this entire podcast, watch the YouTube. It's awesome. We're going to take another quick break, but when we return, Alex is going to hit us with another really great basketball segment. Welcome back, everybody. As the season goes longer and longer, it's really hard to find really great storylines to talk about. But Alex does a really good job in doing so. So, Alex, take it away, my guy. Thank you, James. Uh, yeah, as I was hosting last week, uh, we did not talk about fantasy, but I feel like we should. Mm. Uh, we James pulled out a win. Also, so he is in the championship. And then oh, I James. squeaked out a win over Tyler, I think so by 28 close. points. Oh After God. two weeks, the score was like 3,000 and something to 3,000 and something else. I don't remember exactly, but 28 points. There was a point After- there late Sunday night where we were tied and fucking Fred Van Fleet got hurt again, so we didn't play. <laughs> and the only player you had left was Anthony Davis. So I knew you were going to win at that point because Anthony Davis is going to put up at least one point. <laughs> um, <laughs> and unfortunately, a rebound. Yeah. unfortunately, my second best score all season didn't play. You know, So that was brutal. I really thought for a second that I was going to come back and win that one. Uh, but congrats, Alex, uh, on making the championship. I'm still butthurt about it, but I'll get over it. Yeah, it would have been really disappointing if I had missed out on the championship in both hockey and basketball with a combined record of 25 <laughs> and four or something. Yeah. I really I wanted would've... to beat you in both fantasy hockey and basketball. Mm-hmm. That yeah. would have been phenomenal, but yeah, I have the opportunity. Can't to have it all. Yes. So yeah, James did beat me in fantasy hockey and now he and I are in the championship for fantasy basketball. Uh, that'll be fun. Yeah. But Anthony Davis, whoo, thank God for coming off the injured list. Finally <laughs> got me a win, baby. Um, so obviously as we're, uh, you know, the fantasy basketball season is finishing up. That means the regular NBA season is also winding down. Uh, so we're going to start this week's going to be almost we're going to be working into the playoff scenarios, working into some playoff thoughts uh, because it's kind of it's getting down to it. Um, again, we still have that stupid play in tourney to look at. So um, we're going to start in the east. So as of yesterday, not as uh, like yesterday morning, the clip, uh, sorry, the Celtics, the Heat and the Hawks were the five through seven seeds in the east. So, again, the the five and the six seeds do not have to play in the playing tourney. The seven seed will play in that tournament. If they win, they're in. If they're, they lose, they got to play another game. Um, so, Eric, out of those three teams, they've been, I would say, up and down all season. All three of them have been pretty mediocre. 
Um, how do you see this falling? How do you see these three teams falling? Or a shocker, some other team finishes in those in those uh, spots. I see uh, that the Celtics are going to be in that seventh spot, and they will be in the play-in game. Um, because to me, they've been the most inconsistent team this year and they continue to be the most inconsistent. They have had injuries to key players, but so have a lot of other teams. Um, and when they do have their guys playing, you know, their superstars and everybody, they still seem to be inconsistent. Um, Quite frankly, I, I believe they're going to be in this play-in game, and I believe they're going to trash this play-in game, play game, and they're going to trash their season away. All I've done this like whole season is praise them and say that they have what it takes and that they're better than we think they are, but I feel like now it's finally time to say the opposite of that because I've been wrong every time, um, and I want to be right. So this is what's going to happen. They're going to be in this play-in game. They're going to trash it to the Hornets because right, they would play the eighth seed. Or would yeah. they play? Yeah. Seven, seven eight and play. And then the nine. Hornets announcers are going to be going crazy that game. I can't wait to hear what, what they're going to be saying because the Celtics are going to lose to the Hornets in this playing game. This whole year, they haven't had it really clicking, and I don't see them moving on from it. Yeah. I've kind of also been on that Celtics train. I mean, Jason Tatum is a superstar. He had some COVID issues. Jalen Brown is a really good player. He's had some COVID issues. They. You know, at the beginning of the season, I thought the Celtics would end up in the top four seeds. I thought that was pretty much a done deal. We shouldn't even be really talking about them that much. And, yeah, they've been completely up and down. Um, if anything, they're probably the most disappointing team in the NBA this season. Um, I kind of agree with you. I, I think the Hawks are with a new coach. They're getting healthy. They're playing much better basketball. The Heat have also been up and down, but they've had a ton of injuries um, I just think they have enough veteran leadership on that Heat team, um, as well as a really good coach in Eric Spolstra that they'll finish in that top six. It would be really fun to see the Celtics, you know, the old, you know, historic franchise against the upstart Hornets who, you know, no one was really talking about to start the season. And now, you know, LaMelo and all those guys kind of brought some life into that team. So that would be a super fun seven, eight matchup. Um, so I'm going to agree with you. I think the Celtics will falter. I just – I don't have faith in them. They seem so up and down all season. Uh, so moving on, we're going to flip sides to the to the Western Conference now, uh, a little bit higher up in the standing. So Eric mentioned it earlier, but the Nuggets and the Clippers are kind of fighting for that 3-4 seed. Um, as a – you know, they're kind of percentage points apart right now. Um, you know, it seems like the Suns and the Jazz are going to finish 1-2. Nuggets and Clippers somewhere in that three, four range. As we currently sit the kind of like in the East, the five, six, seven seeds are all really tightly bunched up, but the six seed right now, and this is super, you know, can change is the Lakers. They're kind of getting healthy. They got AD back. LeBron came back for a couple of days. He's missed a game. Now Dennis Schroeder's out for what could be a couple of weeks with COVID protocol issues. Um, but so, James, which one of these teams between the Nuggets and the Clippers will finish as that three seed? And, you know, just as we currently sit, the Lakers are sitting six. So whoever plays, finishes the three is going to play the six in the first round. 
if I mean, if do you even want that, like, do you really want to play the Lakers in the first round, even if they are a six seed? Um, go for it. Uh, the first part of that question, I want to answer. I don't think the Lakers are going to be the six seed. Uh, I think the Lakers slip to seven and end up playing that playing round. Uh, reason being, everything you just said, AD is coming back. He's not 100% healthy. Uh, LeBron comes out and saying he's never going to be 100% ever again. Sits out the fourth quarter of last game. He's going to miss some time probably. Like, And then Dennis Schroeder is out for at least two weeks, 10 to 14 days. There's no team chemistry on that team right now whatsoever. In basketball, you need a lot of team chemistry. You got to be able to know where people are going to be. Uh, plays are based off of feel and reactions to what everybody else, the defense is doing. And without team chemistry, you're not going to know to throw the ball. Design plays are elementary. Uh, that's when you do in middle school. Like, you go here, you go here, you go here. In the NBA, it's based off what the defense gives you, and the plays are run off reactions. No team chemistry, no success. And that's what the Lakers are going to be like right now. They're not doing well. They're not slipping out of the play-in seed, but they will be in the play-in play in portion of that. Uh, to answer the other part of your question, who is going to be the number three seed, who does not play the Lakers, they will be playing the Mavericks, who will be the number six seed. Um, that's the Clippers. That's Eric, Eric's probably super happy. Reason being is the schedule that is coming up for both teams. The Nuggets have a harder schedule, big time, versus the Clippers. The Nuggets play five playoff-bound teams, and they play the Jazz and the Nets, two teams in which are going to top in their division in the conference. And then the Clippers just play three playoff-bound teams, and they also play, you know, like Houston and the Thunder. Those are bottom feeder teams. Right now, the Clippers are starting to get their groove on. Like, Kawhi's coming back for a decent amount of time. They're trying to – I don't think they're going to do rest days anymore. They're trying to get that team chemistry back and try to get everything moving, get them in game shape for playoffs. Um, and with that health coming back and everybody coming back right now, I think the Clippers team is starting to roll. They're currently on a losing streak. That's a good thing because they're learning how to lose and they're learning how what doesn't work for them. And with that, they're going to go into playoffs with like without the false sense of confidence that they can win every single game, knowing that if they don't try hard enough, they're going to lose. And that's going to help them later on. Okay. So if the Lakers fall into the seven and Dallas is the six, are you saying Portland's the five or who's then the five seed? Dallas, Dallas is going to be five. Portland is going to be six. Okay. So seven. So it's going to be Clippers three, Portland six. And then the four five matchup will be Denver, Dallas. Correct. I like that. I don't, well, I don't because I don't want the Lakers to fall into the play in tournament. It's going to happen, man. Like, I think it probably will. They do have like no chemistry right now, and their upcoming schedule is pretty brutal. Y'all want to hear a conspiracy theory real fast, though? Sure. Okay. So I saw this on TikTok because I was on TikTok (laughs) for a long time the other night. But, um, The NBA wants to make money. The NBA makes money based off of play-in games, and the more playoff games that they have, the more revenue they have. So they're trying to make the play-in game a thing. And what better way to kind of make a playoff play-in game permanent is by having a lot of people watch it. And there's a lot of people are going to watch Lakers play. That's brutal. Even if you don't really watch basketball when the Lakers are on, you know what's going on. Like the LeBron plays in that team. AD plays in that team. People are going to watch play-in game if – the Lakers make that playing game. And the more viewers they have, the more chances it becomes permanent. So conspiracy theory, I think Adam Silver is trying to make this, trying to get the Lakers to play in that playing game to make it more permanent. Sounds like James is eliciting the, or eliciting the R word. 
hashtag rigged. <laughs> I was like, what is the R word? Dude? What R word? <laughs> <laughs> that what you're, is that what you're saying is rigged? Yeah, dude. Eric said it himself last year, man. Basketball is not real. <laughs> Basketball is just made up, guys. Fake. It's all fancy. As, as soon as as soon as the Clippers lost, yeah, dude. Basketball, that people pulling the strings is fine. <laughs> Never watching basketball again until next year. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I so I think Dallas will be the five. And looking at the schedule, or I mean, looking at the standings, the other three teams in the play-ins are already they're three games out with you know two weeks to play. They're probably not making that up. So it's going to be, you know, Dallas, Lakers, Portland as those five, that somewhere in that five through seven. I just don't trust either the Lakers or Portland right now. I mean, the Trailblazers can't play defense. They're terrible at defense. All you have to do is double Dame and like they can't score enough. So if the Lakers can be at least a little bit healthy, I think they have a shot at staying in that six seed but they'll do it by playing under 500 basketball somehow. Um, I like your conspiracy theory because you're right. This is the first season of this stupid playing tournament. It seems like all the players really fucking hate it. Um, So it will be interesting, especially, you know, if LeBron, the most important and the biggest face in the sport is in that tournament, how it goes, especially if he loses somehow and like, don't, doesn't make it out. Which is very possible. They could lose two games, even if they're the seven seed, very easily. It wouldn't, you know. Uh, I mean, they lost the Kings the other night with LeBron and AD. So yeah, that is that is very true. So it's two and games. Lost, it's a two-game so, series. No, it's, wait. If I you're mean, the three, three out of three. <laughs> yeah, three. It, it basically. <laughs> you win one, we win one, and then we'll let the NBA decide. <laughs> if, if you're seven eight, you play, and if you win, you're seven. Got it. If you lose, you play nine or 10 yeah the winner of that game so yeah if you're nine or ten if you're like so right now what? the golden state warriors and the spurs are nine and ten respectively let's say the warriors win the spurs are out and then right now portland and memphis are the seven eight uh let's say portland wins they're then the seven seed and then memphis and golden state plays whoever wins that is the mm-hmm. eight seed um it's i don't Ridiculous. understand it it's really fucking dumb but that's where we are, I guess. Um, college football shit. Yeah, it's, you get a playoff spot. You get a playoff spot. Yeah, what, what it's it? too. It's too many. I think basketball already has too many playoff teams. Um, I mean, the playoffs run for like a month and a half, and there's really only like four teams that could ever win it anyway. So, whatever. We'll talk <laughs> about that later. Um, okay, we're gonna stay in the West, um, and these are gonna be back to back kind of identical questions. Um, But in the West right now, I kind of mentioned it already earlier, Utah and Phoenix are, they're tied. They're both 46 and 18. Uh, Phoenix is at least on the NBA standings board in first. Um, They probably hold the tiebreaker over the Utah Jazz. These are both young teams other than Chris Paul, who hasn't been up in this part of the standings in a really long time for either one of these franchises. So Tyler, which one ends up as the one seed and uh, how, which one of them needs it more? Cause whoever gets the one seed, assuming they went out has home court advantage throughout the playoffs. And we're not playing in a bubble this year. You're playing at your own home court. Uh, you know, most places, I believe all of them now have at least some fans. So Utah Phoenix, who's number one and who needs it more? 
Um, so the first part question, who gets it? Um, so as you mentioned, the Suns do own the tiebreaker. They won all three matchups against the Jazz this season. So if they do end up tied, then the Suns will be, will be the one seed. Um, the Suns are also 23-9 and nine against teams above 500. That is the best record in the NBA against teams against 500. So the Suns are playing very well against very good teams. Um, so looking at the remaining schedule here, they both have, both have eight games left. Um, the biggest kind of standout is the difference between home games of the two. So the Jazz have five of their eight games left are at home. The Suns only have two of their final eight games at home. So looking at their home win records, the Jazz have the best record in the NBA at home. The Suns have the best record in the, in the NBA on the road. So this is legit a coin flip. I don't know who's going to end up getting the one seed. So I brought a coin with me um, and we're going <laughs> oh, to win. So there's an app for that, just so you know. Well, I'm going to do actual coin because that's more, you know, it's just more authentic. So heads is going to be the Suns because they're ahead in the Western Conference right now. I hate that. <laughs> and then tails. Hate that. And then tails is going to be the Utah Jazz. All right, ready? Here we go. Flip. All right, heads. So the Phoenix Suns are their Western Conference champions. Right. Give your four out of ten. Figure it out. Um, so who needs it more? Um, I would say probably the Jazz need it more. Um, because I mentioned the best road record or sorry, the best home record in basketball. Um, the Suns have the best, best road record. So, um, based off of that, off of those statistics, I think the jazz having home court advantage, having that secured playing in playing in their home arena. I'm pretty sure, I don't know what Utah's, um, attendance is, but it's probably higher than a lot of places. Um, so they, and, and they've always had really great fans of a, a really tough home crowd. Um, so I think the jazz probably need it more. Um, but as the coin decided, the Suns will get the first seed. Okay. So as the coin decided, I kind of like that. I hate, I hate how you determined yeah. which team was which thing, but I like the coin flip because I thought it was fun. Uh, I'm going to go with the Utah Jazz. I think that – I think they also need it more. Um, they've been the better team all year, except for apparently when they play the Suns. Um, and I think, I think the Utah Jazz, just like what you said, They've got some raucous fans. Um, it's been a long time since the Jazz have been this good. So, I mean, same for the Suns, but uh, I think the Jazz need it more. Um, I think it's going to be really close, though. I think they're going to be within at least two games of each other. It does seem like the Jazz are kind of starting to falter and the Suns are really starting to play well. Um, that would be a really fun Western Conference Finals matchup, though. Uh We'll, we will, we'll see if the coin is right or if Tyler's an idiot. Yeah. Um, traded. Same question, but Eastern Conference. So right now the 76ers are a half game up on the Brooklyn Nets. Same question. Who's going to end up in first and who needs home court throughout the playoffs? All right. The real basketball guy is here, baby. Here we go. All right. Here right? we go. <laughs> here we go. The 76ers are going to win the East. Um, quite simply because of the schedule. Um, you know, I, the, the Nets have to have three above 500 teams that they have to face. One of them being the Bucks tomorrow. They're playing the Nuggets and they're playing the Spurs, who the Spurs are playing for their lives at this point. I mean, I'm, that's pretty sure. It's pretty clear that they're pretty sure they're going to get in and that 10th spot, which is a fake playoff spot as, as far as I'm concerned. But they're still a team that obviously is there. I mean, that, you know, that's the truth. They play the Bulls twice and the Cavaliers once. And um, so they have compared to the 76ers who only have to play one team 
that is a 500 or above 500. And that's the heat. They play the Pistons who are not even above 30%. They they have magic who are barely over 30%. They play um, the Rockets who we all know. I don't even need to say anything there. Um, And, and the Pelicans aren't that fantastic either. Um, I mean, they'll be fighting for a spot, but it's not going to happen. So I think just based on schedule, um, I'm going to give the edge to the 76ers on top of that. And it kind of leads into my next question is who I think needs it more. And similar to what, how Tyler did it, even though I used intellect to figure out who's going to actually make it. (laughs) Um, um, Oh shit. The other team, the nets need it. The, uh, the, the top spot more in my opinion. And I just look at the, I just look at the stats. Um, You don't, you don't want to play. So the the three headed juggernaut in the East is the bucks, the, the, um, the 76ers in the Nets, right? Whoever gets that second spot has to play, has to play either. So let's say it's 76ers make it in. The Nets have to play um, both the, the bucks and the 76ers in the, you know, to get through, right? That's just how, that's just how you have to play both of them. If you have that first spot, you only have to play one of them, right? In that, in that conference final. So you don't want to have to play two intense, hard fought battles if you can help it. And, and I will, I give the edge offensively to the nets, but I I don't like their defense. Um, I mean, their defense is, is okay, but it's not, it's not fantastic. They're not, they're, they're ranked uh, 26th. So that's not very great. While the 76ers have a second rank uh, defense. Yes, it is true that the offense on the 76ers is, is about average a little, maybe a little, like it's about average. I think a 13th percent. Yeah. 13th rank, but they do have a second rank defense. And in my opinion, in the playoffs, defense is going to help you, you know, stay in game, stay in series. And even, you don't know, you're going to be playing those teams that can, that can score. Um, I mean, I know that, you know, that's top spots going to be play, played against teams like the, you know, those weak teams, I don't know, wh- whoever you want to throw in there after the, the play in, but they, they obviously don't have the, the, the offensive abilities. And if you can limit the amount of games you have to play in that first round, it helps you down the stretch. So I like, I like, the, I, first of all, I like the 76ers making that first spot, but I think the Nets need it more just based on, I don't think that they have the defense to handle a, you know, long series against two juggernaut teams. You can, you only, you, if you can help it, you really want to play one juggernaut team, not two. And um, I just think that the Nets would not make it through to the, uh, to the finals if, if they end up in the second spot. Trading for not being a basketball guy, that was a really smart answer. I liked everything you just said. Um, we've been t- I've been talking about how poor the Nets defense is for months, it feels like, at this point. Yeah, they can score in crazy bunches, but eventually you're going to have to play six, seven games against Giannis Antetokounmpo or, you know, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris and the 76ers. So I think I agree with you. I think the Sixers are going to get it. They have a much easier schedule. Their defense, they're going to probably finish with two guys in the top three or four of the um, Defensive Player of the Year award. Um, and, yeah, who, you're totally right. Whoever gets that one seed, assuming things fall into place. Right. You know, we thought that's how they were going to work out last year, and they didn't. But assuming, you know, you're going to have to play two of those teams, uh, you really don't want to do that. You don't want to play the Knicks either. Um, depending on where they sure. fall, they are a very good defensive team as well. So um, I like what you said. I'm going to agree with you. I think Philly will take the one seed. 
Um, and I, I think they want it more. Um, they're a li- they're both of those teams have a lot of guys who have played pl- like a lot of playoffs games, but KD Kyrie, you know, even James Harden, they've played more, just right. more playoff games. They've been in crazy, you know, KD has two championships. Kyrie's got one. So um, I think Philly wants that one seed. I think, um, you know, Philadelphia fans are they're I mean, they're fucking wild. Like that's just who Philadelphia is. So um, yeah, you, if you're the Sixers, you want that one seed um, to finish it off. We have been really mean to Tyler in the last little bit. Yeah. I do believe what like a couple months ago, we were talking about this and he said the Washington wizards could make the playoffs. They're currently the 10 seed. <laughs> I just want to give Tyler a little bit of love because when he you. said that we told him he was a fucking moron and here they are. James, James they, yeah. James was James. Yeah. I was trying to like leave you out of it. But actually James has been a dick to me today too. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dick to everybody all the time. What are you uh, Tyler, <laughs> I don't know if the wizards are going to, they probably will. They're three do games it. up on the Raptors. So they could do it. Let me flip a coin real fast. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to give that as a little Leave shout out. Chance. Uh, because apparently Bradley Beal can carry this team all the way. Yep, even though, told you. Even though Brody's been killing it lately. <laughs> um, okay, James, that's that's all I got for basketball this week. Uh, we're getting down to it. So the the playoffs are kind of coming into picture. It kind of looks like in both in both leagues, the 10 teams we've got are the 10 teams we're going to get. Just all going to come down to seeding. Um, but yeah, James, I'm done. It'll be really fun to watch and see how that unfolds. A lot of good information, Alex, but I think the biggest thing we learned is that Tyler likes to flip coins and make big life decisions. Oh, yeah. So take with that as you will. Uh, when we return, we're going to come back with some hockey. Trading, let's do that hockey. Yes, sir. So I'm going to start with uh, playoffs for the uh, for the fantasy, for those who are still in it. Ty- uh, Tyler, James, you guys are on last week of fantasy hockey. And Tyler, you are behind. Um, it is 1,205 to 969 through week one. I know you had some issues with, with Saturday. I mean, what happened, man? So once again, uh, I don't know what to deal with ESPN uh, reporting app. Hopefully when ESPN takes over hockey more, they're going to fix their fantasy app too. Because, <laughs> you know, as we mentioned. You NBC know, doesn't get it wrong. You know, <laughs> I always set my lineup the morning of or the, or the, the night before. And I always check both. You know, before I go to work and I can't do it anymore. And both of the goalies I had starting had that little P next to it. it means means they're probable, which means they should start. And it's my top two goalies. I was like, beautiful, perfect. I got the got full lineup in there. My my, my top two goalies are go, go, going at it. My two goalies out on my bench were also probables, but, you know, they were the lesser of the two. So I sat, sat them. What do you know? The two guys I started, the two goalies I started did not play. And ESPN didn't do anything to tell me. And then the two guys that I sat on the bench – ended up playing and both did very well. And here I am. I, if, if I lose by less than I would say, like, they probably score the bench goalies probably scored about 130, 140 combined points. So if I lose by less than that much, that's going to hurt because it's going to be that decision right there. Yep. It that, will be. <laughs> I mean, that's the story of Alex and Eric. I feel like <laughs> that is exactly yeah. why they they were out um it's gonna be fun last week um so you know good luck to both of you guys espn uh, figure shit out thank you espn get your shit out uh, get your figure shit out before we get into it i'm very sorry i really try and keep my bias and love 
for the Oilers and Connor McDavid out of the podcast as much as I can, but I have to give it to this guy. Guys, he, but for today, he had 87 points, 13 away from 100 with 14 games left. He, he has to go for two, he has to go two points a game to make it. And he got his two points already. Um, so he's, he's on pace. I just want to say something, some crazy stat that I, I didn't even think was a stat. Max Domi has the most penalty minutes in the, in the league at 73. Connor McDavid has more points than the top guy has in, has penalty minutes. Does anybody know how many times that's happened in the NHL? Zero. 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 The first. That has never, ever happened. And it's good. I mean, unless Max Domi gets in like four fights over the next, you know, <laughs> few games here, he's going to do it, which is flat. It's insane. It's that's, a, that's an incredible stat. Um, he is having, I mean, if, if he's not the MVP, it's, I, I'm, I, I don't know what I'll do. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm trying to keep the bias out, but it's kind of ridiculous. Um, but we're moving on to the nitty gritty, the fun stuff. Um, sorry, I had to pump some tires there. Um, look, guys, the playoffs are pretty much set. Very similar to what Alex said in NBA. Playoffs are kind of set. I mean, mathemat- there's mathematical prop- possibilities, but it's kind of becoming clear who's going in. We might see some seeding change, but, um, you know, I kind of like where the matchups are to an extent. Um, so um, I asked Alex, you know, Based on the matchups today, if, if the playoffs were to start today, what matchups kind of in, pique your interest and, you know, which ones would you tune in for? Because the Kings probably won't be making it. Yeah, the Kings probably will not be making it. They have fallen uh, pretty far. But I have two, at least in the first round, as we sit right now. Um, there's one in the second round I'll mention, assuming that that's how it goes. Uh, so first, in your Scotia North trade-in, if things fall the way they do, uh, I'm looking like the, you know, it's looking like Edmonton is going to play Winnipeg. I think possible Venza winner, Connor Hellebuck against McDavid and Dreisaitl would be so much fun in a playoff series. I mean, Connor Hellebuck is probably top two, top three goalie in the league right now. Obviously Connor McDavid is the best player in hockey. Leon Dreisaitl, you know, top five, um, you know, can Edmonton finally get some go- get something going in the playoffs? Um, I really didn't want to say this because I don't want you to like rip your the rip your pants open with the boner. But <laughs> um, the the McDavid dry sidle versus Hellebuck is just too enticing not to watch. It's just it's like it's going to be fantastic. Um, so that's one. And then somehow the Discover Central. Tampa Bay is a is a three seed right now. So the Battle of Florida. Oh yeah. Tampa coming off a uh, you know Stanley Cup win. The Florida Panthers, you know, having a really unbelievable season. The Battle of Florida, you know, not exactly known for its hockey, uh, will be extremely enticing. Um, especially if I haven't seen anything about it. So trading, if I'm saying something stupid, let me know. But at the beginning of the season, there was this whole this whole thing about Kucherov and how he's going to miss the season, but he'd be back for the playoffs because they don't have the cap for him. I don't know if he's still on track, but if, I haven't heard anything. But if he does get back on track somehow and Kucherov comes back, um, I'll be tuned into that Tampa-Florida one. Also, got to see if if your boy, Bobrovsky, can, can carry this Florida team who you shit on for six months now. So... Uh, those are the two. And then moving on to this, like, this is just what I hope happens is 
Vegas and Colorado meet up in the second round. I mean, we talked about it last week. They're, you know, probably the two best teams in hockey right now. Um, If not, they're both top five. That will be an epic matchup. Um, Whoever comes out of that is going to be battle tested and fucking tired. But um, so, yeah, Edmonton, Winnipeg the Florida teams, and then hopefully that second round matchup. Yeah. Um, looking at the schedule, looking at the standings, I, th- I think you're bang on. I- I'll tell you right now that the, the Oilers Jets series through the season has been my favorite games to tune into. Um, and I've seen, I mean, I mean, every single, almost every single Oilers game and they are always so fun. The Oilers have pounded the Jets this season though. And you know, I look at it as a double-edged sword that could be either good or bad. Did we did we wreck them too early and then we'll get wrecked ourselves, or or is it going to sustain? Um, I also like the Maple Leafs Canadians just for the the the, the ambiance. Your second one-sided. Yeah, yeah. Your second round pick or between the Golden Knights and Avalanche, I'm praying happens. I mean, everyone should be tuning in for that. It would be amazing. The East doesn't really intrigue me that much. Sorry, I just you know West Coast bias. You know, I'm trying to change things. You know, everyone loves the East, not me. Um, the floor, the Battle of Florida. Yes, I absolutely love that. The fact that both teams are good. Both teams are actually playing pretty well. Panthers are eight two and zero, and Lightning are seven two and one. Both have had a very. I mean, the series between the two have been very hard fought. I love it. Um, you know, Bobrovsky. I, I still question him, but Chris Drager, the the other the other goaltender, has been fantastic um and i wonder what you know they're gonna have to do in the uh in the expansion draft um and we're we're gonna definitely have a expansion draft um podcast i don't know if we'll do i'll do the same thing as james did or we'll go through all the teams and see you know you know i don't know how i want to do it but um i definitely want to go into that but i think you're bang on alex i hope that we have that i hope that we get to have that um those those matchups and they live up to the hype because if they don't it 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 always kind of sucks but um yeah I'm, I'm with you on that um moving on to an award so we i did an award um segment you know a, a while back but but the the one that i kind of left out was a jack adams which goes to the, the the best coach of the season um james i'm gonna keep this simple who do you think is in the top running for the jack adams and who do you who would you pick um as that uh, for the award um i actually have two that i have like kind of vying for it right now and that's jared bednar and barry trotz so i'm going to kind of give my reasons behind both and then i'm going to see what you guys think and then i'll tell you what i think uh first jared bednar of the colorado avalanche the dude's really good he's leading a team that's a favorite favorite to win the stanley cup one of the few favorites to win the stanley cup he took over the team in 2016 after multiple losing seasons and not making playoffs and he's kind of built this team to what it is today uh, a little fun fact, some stat that you guys may not know is that McKinnon was there before Bednar came over, but as soon as Bednar got there, McKinnon went from 50 points a season to 90 plus points a season. And it's been 90 plus points every single season that uh, Bednar has been at the helm. He's coached the team through the loss of McKinnon for a couple of games and having McKinnon not be hundred uh, percent, but he still managed to win a ton of games. They're a top team right now. And he's obviously leading a team with one of the best records in the NHL right now. And then for Barry Trotz, the New York Islanders, his style of play that he uses is unique. It's something that not many people do, and it's boring. And to have his players buy into that system, into that culture, and continue playing day in and day out with the best of their ability without really having fun is incredible to me. 
and the fact that he does that year in and year out without fail and coaches a winning team is a big reason why I think he should also be a favorite for this award. Uh, Tyler, out of those two, who do you think is going to win it? Um, I like the Colorado pick um, pretty much for the, for the reasons you mentioned. Um, I mean, I think, I think this team has been kind of up and down in, in the conversation a lot in, in, in recent years for being top contenders, but this is, I think, the first season they've really taken that step forward and being, you know, probably the best team in hockey. Oh, yeah. um, so, and you got to give the, the coach a lot of credit for that. Okay. Alex. Uh, I'm going to go trots actually. Um, I feel like coaches that win and like win coach of the year, it's not the guys that are supposed to be there. So like the Colorado is a top team. I don't, you know, so I think trots has led his team in a tougher division to a playoff spot. So I'm going to go trots. I like that. Eric. I'm actually going to go with trots as well. Um, you look at them, a big reason for their success, their whole system, everything has been built and revamped because of him. So I think you got to give it to Trotz. And they're they're not a team that has all these, you know, big superstars you hear about besides Barzell. So go with Trotz. I want Jared Bednar. I think he's going to win. I really like him as a coach. Jaden, is there anything that I missed or anything you want to kind of expand on? Yeah, um, I have neither of those guys. Oh, interesting. Um, I, 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 but I, I think you're totally right in your points. I think that those guys are, are, are definitely at the top of the list. Like they, they'd probably be in my top five um, for the points that you just made. Um, I'll, I'll say though that, you know, <laughs> I, I think that, I think that the way the avalanche are built, it, it's kind of like the, the, um, the, the lightning of last year, like anybody could ma- make a, a team a good team out of those guys like those guys just kind of almost to the point where they can almost coach themselves because they're just gelling they're doing it right they're 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 stacked but i agree with you i do like um jared bednar and i like barry trotz a lot i like those picks but i'm gonna give i'm gonna tip my hat to joe quinville florida panthers uh, who thought that florida panthers would be ahead of the lightning this year um not me um here the panthers missed the playoffs last year um so, so that's a huge step up and Colorado made the playoffs last year. Islanders made the playoffs last year. Um, and Florida, I mean, was one of the first to clinch. Um, they're second in the league with in goals scored. Um, they're a young group and they really only have two major big stars on that group that, you know, we even, we won't even barely talk about them anyway. And they're still, they're still one of the best in the central. Um, and so I, I would have to tip my hat to him. Joe Quenville is one of, if not the, one of the best um, coaches in our league and has been for a while. We saw what he did with Chicago. Um, the other one would have to be Rob Brendamore of the Carolina Hurricanes. I absolutely love um, Rob Brendamore. He is the, the way that he, he is a heart and soul kind of guy. You know, he, he, the, the way he leads his teams um, and, and, and bringing in so much speed into his, into his game. And it's just been, they are a, a team that I think everybody should be scared of even even the lightning and Tampa Bay. Whoever wins that series has to face Carolina, and I would be shaking in my boots because Carolina is no slouch this year, boys. And I think that they have a big shot of winning the Stanley Cup this year. Um, and I, I just think they're going to be tough to beat. Um, but I, I like your picks. I, I love your picks, James. I think that though, I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those, right? Um, I, we also should tip our hat to Dean um, Evison of Minnesota. I mean, who thought Minnesota would be third in, in Honda West? And I, I don't know if that ha- – I mean, they are playing – you know, 
eight times against Colorado and Vegas. So, you know, they're in a t- they're in a relatively tough division. I think they're in an easier division than normal. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, I don't know if you can necessarily give it to him, but he has brought on um, Kaprizov and made him look really good. So, he, and, you know, he, that's, his first, that's Kaprizov's first coach here in the NHL. So um, you got to tip his hat. I think, he's, I think he's definitely in the running too. I think those five guys that between us that we have mentioned, I think are, um, I think, you know, you could pick out of a hat and I think any of them would be um, deserving. Um, I'm just going to go the other way. And I think Joe Quinville is going to, uh, I would give my hat to Joe Quinville, but again, I would not be upset if any of those other um, guys that you said, cause you had great points, um, really good points. Um, so moving on, Seattle has made their final expansion payment and they are officially the 32nd team of the NHL. So, uh, you know, I, I talk about that 31 Thoughts podcast. Elliot, you're going to have to change your name to 32 Thoughts because now there is a 32nd team. Um, the team is looking – so I, I, I read a headline, which is kind of interesting. The team is looking to add some Seattle flavor in-game with in-game entertainment from – I don't know if they're doing the Gullhorn or some, some kind of, you know, in-between whistle type of thing. We've seen that. We've seen it all, all at games and, and even basketball games. Um, so Tyler, I asked you to kind of, I asked you to kind of look at this. I mean, what would that look like? Like, what Seattle is going to kind of do with Vegas, like Vegas is whole show. Like they say that if you go to a Vegas game, it's, it's a Vegas show. Like they, they make it a Vegas show. It's not just a hockey game. It's as if you're going to any other show down the strip. Um, and I think Seattle's trying to pull from that, like bring in a lot of Seattle based, you know, feeling and, and ambiance to the games. What does that look, that look like? What does a, a Seattle game look like? Yeah, Seattle and Las Vegas cannot be any more different uh, right. in terms of their cities. But, you know, pull, <laughs> pulling on to Vegas for inspiration and looking, you know, I, I, I watched their pregame show for the first. I forgot how freaking awesome it is. It's ridiculous. And it's over the top. It's crazy. They got freaking guys flying from the rafters, you know, you know, shooting flaming arrows onto the ice and shit. And it's unbelievable. Right. So there's, you know, kind of night medieval kind of theme to it. And it's Las Vegas. Of course, it's going to be this crazy show. Of course, you got to have that for for your hockey team. So moving to Seattle, right. Okay. So they're, they're, they're the Seattle Kraken. So that, that you can work with that. Like that's a really cool idea, a really cool theme you can do. You can do, you know, pirates or sailors with the Kraken. They, I don't, if you guys have not been to a, a pro hockey game, most hockey teams, if they do it right, will use the ice as like a movie screen and yep. do really cool uh, stuff on ice beat before the game. The, the the Knights do it. I know the Sharks probably have one of the coolest ones. They have the shark fin breaking the ice yep. up as it goes across the ice. It's super cool. So you can do a lot of that with the uh, with with, with uh, the uh, Kraken. So picture this, right? So you have you know the ice and you got sailors on on the ice, right? It's you know it's wavy. It's 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 stormy. You know, then you have the, you know, actual Kraken tentacles come down from the rafters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Golf the ice, right? It's going to be awesome. And you're going to have, you know, 90s grunge, 90s grunge music playing because that's where grunge music was born. Yep, right? like I love Nirvana, it. Nirvana, Pearl Jam, whatever you want, right? So you got this, you know, this cool, epic, just grungy music going on. Um, also, just for fun, because, you know, Starbucks is, 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 is from Seattle. They're, they're, they're very much well known for their coffee. Every time that the uh, Kraken score in a home game, everyone gets a free shot of espresso. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's wired. It's going to be great. Dude, that's going to get so expensive so fast. I Oh, yeah, because Starbucks doesn't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> be fine. That's great marketing. Yeah. No, dude, I, I did not expect you to go deep like that, and I fucking love it. Got to. 
That was Dude. fun. No, <laughs> it's it's it's. I, I, I think... Seattle for your uh, in-game entertainment idea person. Dude. I, I do. I got him call him up because that's that. I love that. I absolutely love that with the grunge music. That that yeah. like got me right there because you Absolute. know that's where it was born, right? Yeah. Um, I, I love that idea. Um, does anybody else have any like wacky ideas that Seattle could I, look? Here's the thing. I think we all know that the that the Vegas side is extremely cheesy. Like, that, but that's Vegas, right? Vegas is cheesy. They they have the gold helmets. They bring the whole thing. But you know, while we while we while we hate the gold helmets. Vegas can pull it off because it's Vegas. I think that Seattle could run into an issue where it gets cheesy, right? Like you got to make sure it's, it's sophisticated enough because Seattle is a, is a relatively sophisticated town. Um, but I think what you have, what your ideas are, are you, that you can definitely make it classy. You can definitely make it intense and, and, and part of the culture. Does anybody have any other ideas? What if they had like their mascot was like Davy Jones from, uh, Oh, from, um, Pirates of the Caribbean, Ooh. like have him like coming down on a piano, like playing, like, like eat, you know, before <laughs> the go. game with the tentacles drooping down, like Tyler said, just to add it in, you know, something like that. Yeah, I think, I think, um, as Drain mentioned, you know, Vegas, very flashy, gold helmets, all that stuff. Obviously, that's not Seattle. I think Seattle, just more of a darker grunge, as I mentioned, kind of feel because, you know, the sun doesn't shine there very often, it rains a ton. It's more kind of a darker, ominous city. I don't know if you guys have been there. I've been there a few times. It's a great city. I, I, I love Seattle, but it definitely has more kind of a, not dark in like a, like a evil way, but like just, you know, kind of a grungier kind of setting. Right. Um, so I think having more of that, more of the dark tones, the cracking kind of an ominous, you know, rainstorm kind of thing fits more Seattle versus having, you know, shiny helmets. like. They okay. Do. But if they're not throwing a giant fish, like they do at Pike's place onto the, onto the ice. They're yeah. doing it wrong. Like Detroit used to do with the, uh, That's with true. The yeah, they have to have I want them to throw a fucking giant, like someone hat trick. Yeah. Hat trick. Everyone in the stands throws a fish. Yeah. No, no, I, I, Alex, you're absolutely right. Now here's what I worry about though, because the Detroit's been throwing octopus on the, be- on the ice at the beginning of games for, I, I, I don't Forever. even know how long. Yeah. Long ass time. I, like, can Seattle game. steal that idea? Like you know, salmon, bad? like it's it's Seattle. you have to, because that's what they're known for. You know, the, the fish markets, you're throwing 50 pound fish. Your buddy over there is going to cut the head off. Okay. I don't know if they don't, they got to throw a fish at least for sockeyed yeah. salmon. I, I think so. <laughs> I actually, I actually wouldn't mind the octopus idea, even though it does is what red wings do. I think that, you know, the octopus Why? or the squid is as close to a Kraken as well. Yeah, that's pretty much the same thing. You have to do that. How do you get that into the arena? Put it in your pocket. Yeah, vendors like. Well, Jane, no, they, you an octopus. Detroit, like, oh, just throw it in the ice for forty bucks. Put it in your hat. No, Detroit's right been around that for ages. They've been they just sneak it so in. Long. It's not like a giant like the octopus. No, it's, it's, throws, like, it's like a big octopus, like forty <laughs> feet long. It's a giant <laughs> squid. You know, they yeah. should throw giant squid on the ice. That's yeah, what giant squid. Just, yeah, the rare, the rare calamari instead. Well, listen. I don't know if the executives at uh, in Seattle are li- they listen to this podcast, but dude, oh, they are are way more creative than I thought this they group are. was, and I love it. Um, so if you guys need some ideas, come to, come to Tyler and come to TLDR podcast. At Tyler King Twenty Twitter. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Um, we're moving on. <laughs> we're moving on. NBC will cease to broadcast NHL games for the first time since the 05 lockout. NBC is donezo. They did not want to pay up, and the NHL said, fuck you, and found someone new. Um, Turner Sports, so your TNT's 
I believe that's uh, TBS, um, all those sports, um, all those sports channels um, is, has signed up for a seven year agreement, taking up the additional 225 million per year. Um, and they're going to split duties with ESPN. ESPN has forked up the 400 million. Um, so it's a total of 625 million. That's way more than the 200 million per year that NBC was giving um, the NHL for the entire you know, for the entire thing. So the NHL has one big, um, Eric, what are your thoughts about, and when we talked about the ESPN sides, what are your thoughts about the NHL being broadcast on TNT TBS now? I mean, it's great for the game. Um, it's surprising, you know, in the U S that hockey still really isn't that popular. You know, there's still a lot of people that don't really know about it, don't really watch it. I guess the people that have gotten into it maybe went to live games and that got them into it more. A lot of people you talk to now too, they'll say, oh, I like going to games, but I don't really watch it. But I feel like once you get really get into the sport, watching it, you can kind of know where the puck's going to be. Yeah. Um, I think it's good for hockey. Um, NBC though, they did do a good job. I think they had good mostly most of the time they had good NHL analysts guys who once played, um, you know, they did have a lot of those negative dudes like um, what the fuck's his name that I'm trying to think of. Probably Mike Trading. Milbury. Yeah. Mulberry, Milbury. Um, JR was good. You know, he was a different take. They have like Patrick Sharp there. Now they have, they have a lot of, of previous NHL players of recently and of farther back. Um, so ho I'm just hoping ESPN and TNT have um, good analysts as well. I, I believe they will. Hopefully they keep Barry Melrose still with the ESPN stuff because he's been the longtime ESPN hockey guy. But, you know, like Spitting Chicklets brought this up. It'd be kind of funny. Like, you know, TNT with basketball, they have like Shaq and uh, about to get Charles in just like baffling. Like they should have that with uh, with some hockey guys and and hockey girls. But, you know, like. Because it's NBA was good about they have Candace Parker in there now. She has a lot of good insight. Have like another women's hockey player like Kessel in there, you know. Yeah. Um, but having that kind of style with hockey would be good too. I don't know if you can like re-replicate that with uh, basketball versus hockey, but I think it's it's going to be good for the NHL nonetheless. I I think you're absolutely right, and I was actually going to ask you. I think, look, I'm, I'm the, I'm the non-basketball guy in this, on this podcast. And I absolutely love Shaq. I absolutely love Charles Barkley. They make me laugh. Um, their, their takes are sometimes ridiculous and they get called out on it right on air. And I absolutely love it. That, and the thing is, is that, that they are able, like they, they're hall of famers and they're able to be, you know, outlandish and, and show their, show their true selves. So I ask you, do you have any idea of that caliber of player that would be able to bring that type of, you know, show if we, if they were, were to try and replicate it, who could they bring? I mean, how many years do you think Lucic has left? <laughs> Not very many. Show? Not very many, but he's, he could be a guy. Maybe you potentially bring in. I've heard like off the ice. He's a funny guy, but I feel like people either love or hate him. Um, you know, someone even spitting chicklets brought up. It'd be funny. Like bit Bissonette, even though he wasn't in the NHL that long, he's not like a, you know, superstar player, but he's a great like hockey personality or even yeah. getting like him and Whitney on like sub appearances, you know, yeah, um, would be good. But I don't it's it's hard to tell because I feel like getting Phil Kessel might be good, even though he seems to be really quiet. But yeah. everyone says he's hilarious. You can get Reeves on there eventually. <laughs> you know, you can get like 
guys with good personalities. It's hard. A lot of times NHL keeps it kind of under wraps compared to the NBA. So yeah, it's hard I, to tell. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's tough because I mean, it, I'm not saying that, you know, Shaq or, or Barkley is the Wayne Gretzky of, of, of the NBA, of the NBA. Right. But those two are both hall of famers and I'm, I can't think of one hall of famer that has the personality that those two bring, you know, a Gretzky would just be blah. Like I, I love the guy, but he'd be blah. Um, McDavid's falling in his shoes. He's the most like boring person ever. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's kind of tough, but um, I, I, I agree with you. I think that this is a, this is a big step for the NHL. They're making a lot more, um, you know, per year than they were with NBC. I think that, I think that ESPN has and T- Turner sports have an opportunity to, to reach to a greater number of people. The biggest thing for me is most of the NBC games were on NBC SN, which is not a very easy channel to get if you have if you have basic channel or basic you know channels. TNT and TBS, almost every basic channel has that, and so you're you're easily reaching to a lot bigger um, amount of people. Same with ESPN. I mean, I mean, a basic c- cable package is going to give you the basic ESPN. So. Um, in terms of reaching to, you know, everybody, I think that they're going to have a better, they're going to do a better job doing that. And I think NBC in a lot of ways, I agree with you. They did do some things right, but for, you know, 10 years or, you know, seems like actually, I guess 15 years, I felt that they dropped the ball on a lot of things. So I really hope that ESPN and Turner can, um, can fix that. Although before I end Turner sports already pissed me off because they, they broadcast their deal and they had a picture of Ovechkin and Oilers captain Andrew, oh. <laughs> Andrew <laughs> over Connor McDavid. They mixed up Andrew Ference with Connor McDavid. What a great fucking start, Turner Sports. I hope Ooh, that that, that is the only blunder you have. Rudolph. So wait, Ference was their captain when they were just complete dog shit. Yes, and yeah. I love him, but he's when he was on Connor the team and everything. <laughs> so, well, that's a great start. But James, that is all I have this week. Another great segment, Jaden. Loved it. We're going to take another quick break, but when we return, Eric is going to tell us how to go deep in the playoffs. Get your mind out of the gutter. Oh. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Eric is best known for doing his food segments, but he has these like really good talkative segments about sports nowadays. And this time it's about how to make a deep playoff run. Eric, it's all you, man. Yeah. Thank you, James. Um, it, it actually fits very well into this podcast. Cause I feel like that's all we've been talking about. A lot of is playoffs with, especially with hockey and basketball winding down. Um, but I'm, I'm leading it just like how I did last my last segment where, like, you know, James is our football guy. So that I'm going to start it right off about the NFL with James. Um, you know, many people say that you need luck in NFL just to even, like, make it to the playoffs, let alone, you know, winning playoff games. Do you think that's true? Oh, absolutely. I think that's 100% correct. Uh, to me, luck is when opportunity and preparation meet. And in order to get that opportunity and the preparation to meet that, that means you're ready for the next step. Uh, luck isn't just this random thing that comes out of nowhere. Nah, the teams that get lucky, the people that get luckier, the te- people or teams that have worked the hardest and have prepared the most. And when that opportunity arises for them to take that next step, they do so. And to the outside world, it seems like, oh, that happened out of nowhere. 
but no, nah, you don't see behind the scenes when they're just grinding and working out every single day and doing film harder than anybody else. Luck yeah. is not some random thing. It's key to success. Yeah. I mean, I have kind of some similar, like I just basically said, yes, luck does need to happen. Um, and I'm thinking more on the side of like injuries um, because it's inevitable with that sport. Um, you know, guys are going to get hurt and you don't hope it upon anybody, but you know, sometimes other teams, unfortunately need, they, they end up suffering like in your division, you know, last year, you look at the Niners, they, when they go to the Super Bowl, you know, the year before, and then Jimmy G gets hurt. And then remember just all, all the injuries that riddled them last year. Um, it took them from being that contender down to that, to the team they were. So you do need luck. Um, the next question I have is uh, what things have to go right during the season in order to make the playoffs in the That's NFL? A it's hard pretty simple. question to answer. You said it was simple. I said it was hard. <laughs> I mean, at the, at the end of the day, the answer itself is simple. But yeah, the concepts yeah, yeah. behind it is hard and complex. But the answer is everything needs to go right. Yeah. If things don't go right, then you're not going to be that successful. Uh, I mean, encompassing that comes the luck factor. But honestly, at, at the end of the day, the ball needs to bounce in your, your direction more times than it doesn't. Yeah. I, I kind of had down like um, – a lot of times you see the teams that start guns blazing, they end up kind of like winding down a little bit, you know, and then like the Ravens, I feel like not last year, but two years ago, the Ravens just dominating. Um, and, you know, everyone had them as a favorite. They lose, they get that buy and then they lose to the uh, Titans, you know, like it's like they, they, they started out very hot and they kind of like cooled down towards the end. That leads me to saying like, um, how do teams stay consistent? So like they stay consistent throughout the season, they make the playoffs, but then like making that playoff run is all about consistency. Like, how does that happen? I think first and foremost, it comes with the mindset. It's a long season. 16 games is a long time. I mean, for everybody else on this podcast, like baseball plays 162. Hockey and basketball play 80 plus games. 16 games may not seem a lot, but it's a hell of a grind. That's 16 weeks. 17 weeks, actually, of NFL football. You got to be in there day in and day out, and you're just hurting yourself day in and day out. Having a good culture and a good mindset in place to have that one singular goal in mind at all times that you're working towards, that light at the end of the tunnel, that's what's going to help you get to the next level. On top of that, you have to have depth. As you mentioned earlier, injuries do occur. And when those happen, the coach needs the coach that needs to have a good system that sets everybody else up for success. Next man up mentality, work your way through it, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be pretty, but those are the teams that are successful. Yeah. Yeah. That's a solid answer. Just like the, having the one goal set and everybody being on the same page. I didn't think about that. Cause like a few guys that are on the same page could really, that could be your difference maker. I got down, you know, just consistent routines day in and day out. Like you were saying the grind, um, you know, and then the ability to adapt to changes, which just goes along with your depth, your depth, whatever the fuck that word is depth um charts you know next man up mentality you got to be able to adapt to changes you know your starting quarterback goes down like hopefully you got another another way to uh to get get the boys fired up and get some points on the board um let's get over to hockey trading 
our hockey guy. Let me tell you this. Hockey somewhat is a long season. Not really this year, but, you know, what is it, 81 games um, or 82? NBA is 81, I think. Hockey's 82 or vice versa. I always get those fucked up. But um, when do you see teams getting bored of the season? I mean, you can kind of even see it a little bit this year, like with some teams. Yeah, I, I, I think you see that more with teams that are kind of – playing garbage time you know what I mean like they're they're just not kind of it they're just not kind of into it um because they they're really there's nothing to play for and especially in a season like this where you know you've you've we've had they've had to deal with all these crazy protocols they're getting sick I heard it I mean they, they were saying that they're getting sick of each other for Christ's sake because all they see is each other they I mean especially in the COVID time where you can't do anything else except go to your hotel and go home you're you're with your colleagues I mean all day, every day. And that's all you see. It's, it gets boring, but um, I think in a normal season, it's a little bit different. I think a team that's really gelling and that's really starting to have a groove going into, you know, the, the trade deadline area. Um, they're not getting bored at all. They're, they're just, they're just focused on the, um, on the, on the goal. I, you could argue that even on the flip side, the really good teams are probably bored of the regular season because they're like i'm not playing for the regular season i look at tampa bay i look at um you know i look at those type of teams that are expected to go to the playoffs they're they expecting to go to the playoffs they don't like they're just going to do enough to get in because their focus is the playoffs they don't give a shit about anything else let's just get in um because we saw what happened to tampa bay like two or three years ago where they were by far the best team and they, they aimed at being, you know, the best team in the regular season and then get swept in the first round. I've seen um, the Warriors, I believe their record setting regular season was, they did not win the, the, the finals that year. So, um, you know, I, I think that good teams get bored of the regular season because they're focused on the prize. Yeah. I mean, you kind of answered the next question. Um, well, basically you hear a lot about teams peaking too early. Yeah. In hockey. Do you think that's true? Uh, I, I, I grapple with this question a lot because I, I don't know. Uh, th- th- then, then you're bringing in the idea of momentum and, and, and I don't know how I feel about momentum on a game to game basis on a week to week basis. I don't know how much I believe in that. However, I do believe that there is, you know, I, I believe that there's definitely trend and streaks that teams go through and you can peak early in that if, if things are going well for you and really, really well for you early, you know, too early that everyone's trying to look good going into playoffs. And when you've gone through all that, and then once a team starts to find their stride and really, you know, is the team that's, that's been playing playoff hockey since the trade deadline or even before, those are the dangerous teams that as a team that had, that has such success early on is kind of sitting on their laurels, not really worrying about the the regular season who are going to get, you know, rude awakening in the playoffs so i definitely think that there's a an idea of peaking too early um but you could also peak too late where it's just too late for you to get into the playoffs but um yeah i think i think there's a degree of uh, of peaking too early for sure yeah yeah we've seen the peaking too early with like the lightning that one year they get swept and then and then and then we actually see two years ago the blues won the stanley cup and they were at the 32nd team as early or as late as january they were playing yeah. playoff hockey since January. That is a team you don't want to play because they've been playing that type of hockey and winning and beating teams that they sh- probably shouldn't be beating for half a, half a year, for five months. So, you know, that, that's, that's scary as, a, as an opponent. Yeah. 
So that, that leads me to the last question. How do you, the kind of what I asked James, how do you stay consistent or like, how do you find new life? Oh, look, um, you know, I, I think that a team, and I guess this is going to kind of go back to, it's going to circle back to what I've already said, a team that is doing very well and that's not facing adversity, I think is in trouble. Um, I think that a team that does not have some sort of losing streak or, or a time where they're not winning, um, you know, three games in a row or four games in a row, they're losing a couple games here and there. They're just not finding that consistency. You having to be able to adapt to that. And it's a little bit harder in NFL because there's only like, you know, 17 games. Now there's six, there were 16 games, 17 games. Now it's tough to lose two games in a row. Cause it really hurts you. But in the NHL losing, you know, two or three games in a row or, or, or having some inconsistency and being able to find a way to, okay, guys settle down. We're okay. Fixing it. And then going back, back onto your, you know, winning streak. That is a team that, that, that shows to me that you're able to handle, handle adversity. It's not easy in the playoffs. The playoffs in the NHL, in my opinion, are the hardest playoffs in of all sports because of that factor. You're beating each other up, and if you don't have the ability to to manage adversity, you're you're, you're you have no shot. Yeah, that's huge in the NHL, and that could be the reason why it may be just the toughest playoffs there is. Um, it's like an argument that, and probably football, you know, just the yeah. grind of both. Exactly. Um, so let's get into baseball, Tyler. Um, similar to hockey, an e- but an even longer season, the longest season ever of all sports. How do you ramp up at the right time for the MLB playoffs? Longer. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it really is making sure everything is good to go come October. Obviously, you have to play well enough be in that position so you know people always talk about you know the the long season um but hey it starts in april and you, you see teams that we mentioned before you see teams like the giants and the royals and the red sox these teams that are surprising a lot of people you know they get off to a good start now they have now they have a winner's mentality like hey maybe we might have a chance to win this thing and getting off to a start like that could propel you come september when you know you're in a playoff hunt you know, to play well. Sometimes when you have that underdog mentality, that kind of helps you um, because you're battling all season long because no one expects you to win versus on the flip side, when you're a team like a Dodgers, everyone is expecting you to win games. And they've gone through this streak right now where they've lost, I think, eight, eight of 11 games and everyone's freaking out when it's like pretty much every team does that, you know, throughout at least once during, during a season, but because the Dodgers and because we're not in first place, and everyone's freaking out right so um it's 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 really a matter of being able to mentally balance the good and the bad the highs and the lows and just try and stay as consistent as possible through a 162 game season much easier said than done um obviously injuries are a big part of it staying healthy um you're you're, you're gonna have injuries um you know but basically I, I think for me it's more the mental side of it um and just knowing that you're going to go through stretches where for two weeks of baseball, you're probably going to suck, you know, and there's, and you, but you can't let that get to you. You can't let that derail your season and make it, don't, don't make two weeks turn into, uh, uh, don't make two bad weeks turn into four bad weeks. Right. You know, being, being able to limit the, 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 the streakiness, hopefully ride the highs as much as possible, but don't get too high. You know, it's, it's really staying mentally consistent and just taking it day to day as much. Everyone talks about the big season, but, I think most guys in, in baseball are really are trained well to take it, you know, one pitch at a time, one, one, one um, game at a time, 
and then you look up and um, come September, hopefully you're in it, you're in a good spot. Yeah, consistency is key. It sounds like patience is a big thing you're preaching there. I don't know if I could ever play a whole fucking baseball season. I don't know if I'd have the patience. Um, a lot of games. You, <laughs> surprise. Do you see uh, load management strategies working in baseball, like with pitchers? I, I, I kind of look at it as like load load management, what the NBA does, um, but like, you know, preserving their health, especially like come time closer to playoffs. Does that happen for baseball in the playoffs? Uh, yeah, for sure. I know for sure that MLB does a lot of load management data um, for both pitchers and po po position guys. Um, th th there's a lot of, you know, research coming in the last few years of how that affects you come October because you play, you've already played 162 games and then you're playing, you know, high leverage baseball games. Um, you know, that takes a toll on you. Right. Um, so there's, there, there's a lot of load management that goes in, especially on the pitching side. Um, especially early on in these seasons, you don't, you know, see a whole lot of relievers, you know, sometimes at the end of the season, your closer is going to, he, he could go in and close three games in a row early on. You're really not going to see that, you know, they're, they're, they're going to close a game. You know, the, 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 the next day they'll have someone come in there, even if it's a, a, a safe opportunity. So um, you're seeing a lot of, you know, and even position guys are getting more days off early than they would, than, than they would later on. So. Um, you definitely see that. I think you kind of have to, like you said, it's just, it's such a long season that you have to be able to properly, you know, manage those guys um, pitches and, and, and games and innings to make sure that, you know, when they're ready for the, for the playoffs, they're, you know, as much, they're as strong and as ready to go to play every single inning of every single playoff game. Yeah, that's a great answer. It's good insight coming from somebody who worked in the medicine and performance side in pro baseball. Um, the last thing I'll ask is baseball has teams that kind of get hot once the playoffs begin, kind of what Tradem was talking about with hockey. Um, how do teams find that spark with baseball? Could it be like, you know, like you, like you said, being the underdog to start a series? Um, so I, I, for me, you know, it's no surprise. I'm talking about pitching. It's, it, it's your starting pitchers. They're, 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 those guys are, are the tone setters, right? If, if you have a guy that's going out there and pitching unbelievable, you know, he's, he's, he's putting up zeros, he's striking out two or three guys, you know, um, every, every inning. That gives the whole team so much confidence. You know, um, it's, it starts with your starting pitching. It's so important. A lot of people talk, especially in the postseason, they, they, they talk about how important the, uh, the, the bullpen is which it is, it's, you know, there's a lot of um, games that come down to the final three innings and you need bullpen arms that are going to come in and, 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 and shut it down. But it starts with your starting pitcher, your guy, your ace, you know, as, as many guys you can go out there that are going to go out there and they're going to compete for as long as they possibly can and keep your team in it because offense is going to come and go, you know, it's, 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 it's going to go through, through cold streaks, but if you got a guy, that consistently goes out there and puts up zeros, you're going to be in every single game, no matter how shitty your offense is. Right. And, and, and all it takes sometimes is, is, is one swing to get your team um, back in it. So for me, I think the spark plugs of the team for any team, it's your starting pitcher, whoever it is that day, whether it's a Clayton Kershaw, or whether it's, you know, your guy that just got called up from, from AAA, that guy that comes in and starts that game and puts up zeros and just shoves it. That's the guy who's going to spark your team every time. Yeah, that's a good point because um, it could be, you know, 
maybe your like third third go-to option for pitching. But if that guy can lead you off starting hot, then the whole team should follow that little spark. Um, let's get into our last sports, last but not least, Alex, our NBA guy. Um, and we all know this, the NBA has the parity. Usually you're able to predict the finals um, in the offseason. Once all the trades and shit go down, usually in the signings, um, it's it's easier to tell uh, who you can expect in the finals. So let's just get right into it. Who do you expect this? Do you agree? And who would you expect this year? Usually, yes. So, I mean, we talked about it last year. Um, we all pretty much expected it was going to be one of the L.A. teams in Milwaukee. We were wrong. I mean, one of the L.A. teams did make it. Milwaukee faltered. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, last, you know, last decade, the Warriors were coming out of the West. There was really not a question about it. And whatever LeBron-led team was coming out of the East, like that was it. That was the deal. That's how the NBA worked, um, you know. During our early years, it was the Kobe's Lakers or Duncan Spurs coming out of the West, most likely. That was pretty much it. The East was kind of a crapshoot. Um, this year, couldn't fucking tell you. No idea. I think there's a legitimate chance that nine separate teams could win the championship this year. Uh, you know, Traden mentioned it in our NBA segment. I think there's three in the East that realistically have a shot. I mean, a team could surprise us, but it's probably one of those going to be the, one of those big three. And in the West, it could be any one of those, those I think, the teams that are in the top six right now. Um, there's a lot of question marks with all of these teams. Uh, I don't – if I had to choose, I mean, I, I said after the Clippers got Rondo that I think they're the team to beat with the Lakers injuries. So I'm going to go Clippers, 76ers, Doc, L.A. That would be sick. That's going to be my. Yeah, I, I think you're right about um, this. This year seems to be the first year in a while that nobody can really predict who's going to be in the finals. It's actually a good thing, finally, for the NBA to have something different and some people not really knowing what to expect. Um, in your vision, like we talk low management with Tyler and the pitchers. You see it a lot in the NBA too. Do you think it uh, has a role in the playoffs? Oh, 100%. I mean, load, load management and that phrase came from the NBA. Um, and if you look at the 2019 Toronto Raptors, quite load management, the whole, the whole season because he saved his legs and then went on an epic postseason run and carried a team that realistically probably was not in a real contention to win the championship and shock the world. So um, 100%, and which it's why – and load, load management can come in two different ways, on purpose or on accident. I mean, I know I go back to this all the time, but look at the Lakers. Their two stars have not played a lot recently. If they're healthy, they got fresh legs. I mean, now LeBron's got his, you know – He's not going to be 100% healthy ever again. But load management in the NBA is unbelievably important, especially this year, because there's been more back-to-backs. They're trying to push games. They're trying to get through the season as well as they can. Um, so, yeah, load, load management is – I mean, it's, it's coined in the NBA. It's what they do. I personally don't like it. I, I want to see 
the stars play. You know, you're not load managing Marcus Saul, who plays 12 <laughs> minutes a night anyway. Like, you're, you know, especially now, tickets are fucking expensive. I want to see Kawhi Leonard play. I don't want to see Joe Schmo number 15 off the bench. Like, uh-huh. um, so yeah, load management, whoever did that the best over the season, going to have a really good shot. Yeah, that's, I agree with everything you just said there. That That's a good point, too. You see it mainly only with the superstars. So I think the NBA, you know, doesn't like that factor because people will pay a bunch of money and then they go see Joe Schmo and Larry Moe fucking, you know, <laughs> passing the ball around, losing by 20 to the Sack Kings or something. But you kind of answered my question on, I was going to say, like underdog teams finding ways to create a run. That's, it was a good point you said with the Raptors and Kawhi. No one really expected that. They got also some luck with injuries along the way against other teams they're playing. The last question I'll ask you is, this is something we kind of talked about in your segment. Like, when do teams chalk it up and call the season? And when do teams um, begin to either rest or ramp up knowing they're going to have a playoff run? Yeah, I mean, it's it's this year I'd say it's tougher than normal to kind of predict how teams are going to do that. You know, last year – you know, the Lakers were firmly the number one seed. And, you know, we talked about in my segment, both East and West, the number one seeds are either tied or a half game apart. So it, it kind of depends on, I feel like for each team and their specific circumstance, like if you're the Suns, you're pretty, other than Chris Paul, you're pretty young. Keep playing those guys, keep them fresh. You know, this is going to be their first playoff run. Um, you know, other than Chris Paul, like none of those guys have really have ever made the playoffs before. Uh, you know, if you're Brooklyn, on the other hand, you've had a lot of injuries. KD has been in and out of the lineup all year. James Harden is still not back. Um, Kyrie's been in and out of the lineup all year. Blake Griffin is not the player he used to be. Those guys, I mean, as much as and you know, Traden said it. We the Brooklyn can probably get away with not being the one seed. Um, you know, we Philly feels like the team that needs it more. Rest of those guys, they've got playoff experience. They know what they're doing. Um, you know, for the teams that are in the bottom half of the brackets that are not going to make it, player young guys. I mean, we saw OKC shut down Al Horford because they were terrible. And they're like, you're not the future. Play the young guys. Um, I think in the NBA, though, there, other than this year, the, you know, there's, there's usually like three or four teams that could realistically win it. I mean, if you're one of those teams that's fighting to be that eight seed, keep pushing because any playoff experience in the NBA is incredibly important. Even if, you know, you're the eight seed, I don't know, Denver Nuggets who have to play a 73 and or eight seed New Orleans Pelicans who have to play a 73 and nine Golden State Warriors team with four future Hall of Famers on it. That's a lot of, you know, valuable experience. That's, that's where Anthony Davis got a lot of yeah, his playoff experience. Got huge experience. And then you saw what he did in the playoffs last year for the Lakers. So, yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's a great answer. You covered what I was going to say. It's a case by case thing. You look at your team, you look at where you are um, for the Pelicans, you know, they're going to battle it out. I think they got like two or three games. They got to win. Basically they got to win out. They fucking lost tonight. So they're probably done, but um even you look at the Warriors, they got a lot of young guys that they're that are building up there, even though they got Curry and some other guys. But 
giving them the, that experience is going to be huge. Um, and then you look at a team like the Knicks, they've just been hot for a while and, and like keep riding it, you know, like keep riding that into the playoffs. But uh, good genius answers from a bunch of sports geniuses. And that's all I got tonight from all of us geniuses for this segment, James. All right, guys, that, that was solid, Eric. Uh, that pretty much wrap up. Oh. Trading. I, I want to leave everyone. This is completely different. This is this is an NFL question. I want everyone to answer this question off the cuff. I saw this on the internet and I absolutely loved it. If a college punter were always able to put the punt, put the ball yes. on the one yard line, no matter where he kicked it from the field, does he go first overall? Yes, hundred percent. Right. He's the most consistent player. Well, I mean, you <laughs> you you put you put the team on the one every time you punt it. There's no for 20 years you get to pay for that. I'm I'm he's pay, he's getting paid more than Mahomes is. No, dude, not even 20 years. Punters don't get hit. He can last 30 years. Does do you think he? I think he gets paid more than Mahomes on a second contract. Personally, I mean that's, that's huge. crazy because the second play after that you have a chance to get two points. That's what I'm saying. And then the ball gets punted back to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do they get to maybe the 35? It's just it, I saw it on the internet. I thought it was intriguing. I loved it. Um, yeah. I, I, so so, so punter, the Jets needed that more than a quarterback? Is that what you're 100%. saying? Dude, anybody's going to take that. Anybody. <laughs> Tyler and Alex, what do you guys think? I would say no, just because I want to say something different. No, it's probably – yeah. I mean, especially <laughs> with football, because it's so – it's back and forth, but it's stopping every time you change teams instead of like basketball and hockey where it's more fluid. Yeah. I mean, you pretty much – they're almost – you know, they're fucked. Like how many, <laughs> how many 99 yard drives do we see in a season by all 32 teams combined? There was four last season. There you go. You're probably I going, made, I made that up. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's probably what it's probably less than 10. I would. Oh, easy. Yes. You're probably going 17 and out then. You have and probably, you're probably going 17. and know, if you have a good punter and someone that can kick a field goal, you're probably going to you need the quarterback position, like just like the running backs kind of like not as valuable as it used to be. Yeah. One of us could, one of us could play quarterback and just hand the ball off or whatever every single time. What a change. I think it would actually, it actually make the game pretty terrible, but um... yeah, the game would be so boring, (laughs) but it's like very Trotz's Islanders, but it's consistent. Every, yeah. Every game would be like six zero or something. (laughs) All right. I thought it was intriguing. I had to, I had to bring it up. Sorry. Tyler, what do you think, man? Yeah, no, I mean, I was, I had zero idea that was going to come up. Uh, <laughs> made really good points. I think special teams is a part of football that gets overlooked a lot. I don't think people really understand its importance um, as, as some people that are around the game do. And I mean, punting is obviously a huge part of that. I mean, you, you, you see how hype teams get when you get that punt, like on the one yard line, you know, because it's a big deal. So. Yeah, I mean, time, baby. I would pay him. Fuck it. It wouldn't be important if they didn't have the word special in front of them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> team. Oh teams. Go team. <laughs> important. Team. Yeah, like what if it was just called teams? Like special teams, it's yeah. important. Yeah. <laughs> the right, most guys. special team. Thanks, guys. Thanks for indulging me. <laughs> I appreciate that, Trayden. We got to talk about football out of nowhere on our day that I was hosting. So I'm always happy about that. Um, that pretty much wraps up episode 45. Hope you guys enjoyed. Hope you guys learned a lot. 
please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, follow us our social medias, and reach out to us and give us ideas of what you want us to talk about next. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great week, and I will, we will see you next week.